You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benham. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And how are we, lads? How's things? It's uh, been a bit of two days since I last spoke to you. Day and a half since I last saw you, Gareth. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> how are we? <laughs> and we've just spent an hour chatting to each other on the free show. I don't know. <laughs> I know how you are. You're fine. But, you know, tell me again. Very good. Very good for seeing you on um, <laughs> Saturday night, Benna. <laughs> the grapple reunion. When you, you, rescued what, what me from, you rescued me from that queue. <laughs> I know. Uh, I was uh, well. We, I was going to meet you, wasn't I, in Mojo in Liverpool? And then, like, because Matty was going to be there, and then he left. And then I walked past. I walked past the queue, JP, and I just kind of like saw it at the corner of my eye. I was like, I'm sure that's Gareth. And you were kind of having a look past as I walked past. We scooped Gareth up and I uh, I took him along on my work night out. Aww. It was a good time. I hope it was a good time. That's all I kept remembering, though, was like the next day. I kept having, because I was absolutely shit-faced because I'd been drinking with the audience <laughs> since about one o'clock or two o'clock or something like that. That was after midnight, wasn't it? I think, or it was. It was. And I, 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 the next day, all I just felt was Not that I kept saying, "I kept saying to you every five minutes, look, I'll just fuck off if this is awkward for you." <laughs> like me being here on you with all your work colleagues, I must have said it to you twenty times. <laughs> well, it's a collide. No, well, like people, what Naf from where? Who apparently has added you on Facebook? She's a big listener to the podcast. You know, she was happy to meet the uh, the famous Graffle Gareth. You know, <laughs> meets Joe and Paul, big big wrestling fans as well. It was fine. You just one of the family now, uh, Gareth. Like I say, Facebook was, invites and all kinds going on. It was it was totally odd though because when I was like, I got that ta- I got a taxi home with one of the lads, and mm, um, oh, yeah. and then I don't know how we ended up talking about. Rugby league, um, but it turned out he was a massive oh, rugby league fan. It, it turned out he was a massive rugby league fan, and like you, you never hear hear like pure scousers just been like well into the rugby league. And then he was even going to me like, "Oh yeah, there's a big game tomorrow. I'm in in like League One, working against Barrow." I was thinking of going. I was like, "What? What the fuck?" I was like, "Why's <laughs> this lad from Liverpool thinking about going to see like my hometown playing some?" You know, league <laughs> like third tier level rugby league game. I was thinking, is, uh, is uh, someone ah, sniffing you something in the flute? <laughs> no, but yeah, the flute was where we ended up. Actually, wasn't after kind of wandering Liverpool a bit, trying to get into clubs. But no, Paul's a uh, Paul's a he's a big fan of any sport. Really, he's the honestly he's the one. Like he he did like a um, football away days blog where like he was just going to he goes to like random like lower league type games and like I like the first few times I started just going to like 
Brit Rare shows on my own was because I was kind of influenced by him. I was like, you know, fuck it. I will just travel down to London. I'll fuck it. I will go to like Wolverhampton on my own on the train. It's kind of, what's the difference? It's a bit like going to, it's a football away day, isn't it? It's a day out. So he's kind yeah. of uh, my influence there. There you go. Crick- cricket and rugby friends. There you go. You can uh, <laughs> you can talk to him about it instead of me. Sounds good. <laughs> but, was he in hey, the well, game? We doing... oh, it sounds like I should meet mm. this point. I know where you wouldn't have been talking about that. You were out Saturday as well, weren't you, JP, as well? Another the Grapple Union going on on the, uh, yes. the other channel. I was. I was out with Joe. We were out. Grapple uh, South. Going... Why weren't yeah. we together? What's going Grapple on? Um, yeah, we were in watching a um, in the place where his wedding's going to be held, actually. Uh, watching the mm. Wales versus Denmark and Italy-Austria games in a, in a really nice craft brewery. And it was good. Mm. It was a good session. It didn't get out of hand, which was nice. In other words, I remember just staying in the one place. Yep, stayed in the one place. Sat there, watched two two games of football back to back. It was like, yeah, this is this is definitely us. So, yeah, very good (laughs) night. He's doing well, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been grapple reunions all round, really, isn't it? This week, and then I'm going to see you at the end of July. Fingers crossed. We hope so. You're supposed to be up this weekend, weren't you, for TNT? So yes. That um, apart, but, well, yeah, uh, there's, there was a whole load of restrictions that came into place as well, wasn't there, that, that, mm. uh, about that as well at the same time. But um, That's the fucker about, like, going out, mm. isn't it? Though, like I was just saying, you're in the, you really did the right thing, just staying in one place. Like, I don't know if it was the same for you with the Ogdens, Gareth, but, like, you're best just not moving. <laughs> like, you find somewhere for the table, don't go anywhere. Like, people are literally queuing outside clubs at, like, half one in the morning and Liverpool City Centre all waiting for a table to come available it's like i'll be glad when like this weird world we're in now kind of uh shuts down oh no we had a, we had a bit of a crawl on we were, went to, went to quite a few oh, did you, yeah. places yeah yeah I'd, when i met them they were in the ship mitre so they'd already been a dead crafty so i was, I was a bit good about mm. that because dead craft is my favorite bar in Liverpool, but they'd, they'd already been there and yeah got, got cracking but no we must have been there about i don't know we must have gone to sort of Four or four places for, and then after the show as well, yeah, must have gotten like four or five places in, in total. But it was a, it was good, mm-hmm. good, good session. It was just, um, ugh, it was just Belton just to see Andy and Jeff. Like I was, like when we were in the first yeah. pub, and I was just sat with Andy, Jeff, and Shauna, and I was just like, ah, oh, this is like old times kind of thing. It was I've been waiting like a year and a half for this just to be sat mm-hmm. in a boozer with them. So it was a bit weird in the ship mate because you're having to do the full like trying to catch the barman and try to bring a drink to the table and stuff like that. So I was absolutely fucking yeah. sweating coming off the train with your mask on and all that. And then like walking there in the, it was, a, it was <laughs> like quite hot. So I was just fucking gasping for a pint and then I couldn't get one for about 10 minutes, like just sitting looking over my shoulder at this guy. It was just like this one person they had just walking around serving a whole pub. It was just like, oh, infuriating. But once I got my drink mm-hmm. and settled in, it was uh, lovely to see them all. And what, what a good day I had. Oh, good. And you got to see me as well, just from reading. Well, yeah. yeah. I, did, <laughs> I, did, I did say to you, didn't I? It was like a lot off one in the water. Like, I was supposed to be trying to get back for the AW show on Saturday night. I just didn't in the end because I was having too good a time, really. Been out all day myself. But like, I did say to you at one point, and I was like, just realized this is the first time I've seen you in person in like 18 months or something like that. But it doesn't seem like it because I look at you every every Monday yeah. and Friday and all of the other times. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be the same when I see you next, JP. It is, isn't it? It's going to be, yeah, it's just like, well, how could you have missed me? You you would have spoken to me more than you would have spoken to, like, your family. Like, at this point, it's, it's, it is going to be kind of weird for that. But, like, looking forward to it as well, like, a sense of normality. Mm. I was saying in the pre-show, my I got a text, so my jab has moved up to this Saturday, 
which Brilliant. I'm very glad of. Gabs and kebabs part two. Well, shockingly, went past there. Kebab shop's gone. Replace it with a cafe. I'm I'm appalled to be honest with you because I would have definitely. <laughs> well, actually, again, it would have been too early in the morning. I don't know if I could eat a kebab at like eleven o'clock. But yeah, so yeah, that's happening. Hopefully, loads of other like you guys will get the same text as well, and it will get get moved up because that's the next stage, isn't it? Rushing mm-hmm. kind of everyone to get the vaccine. Um. You know, oh, good old Matt Han- Hancock, hey? he's responsible. It's the one thing our government got right, I was going to say. <laughs> Have we got any more, Matt? We watched, we did the uh, the graphic hour on Friday, so uh, live patrons will have seen. We did a, a live reaction to uh, to that video that's doing the rounds. It did hit me because that video was sourced from the sun, and Gareth White Sarah wasn't very impressed with us for uh, for playing it on air, but I don't know, we'll have to make a fucking donation to charity or something at some point uh, as penance, but... It was very fucking funny. Um, and the country's resigned now as well, so I feel like it's kind of settled now, but still, what a fucking gobshite. I get caught, to be fair, I could call him, I get flipping between Nick and Matt Hancock on, on uh, Friday. So <laughs> That's right. Don't want to libel anyone again, I'll try and make sure I get it right today. <laughs> it did lead to a whole conversation about they think it's all over. I, I, I'd recommend <laughs> it. It's just like a wild, it's a conversation in a pub with a, with a load of people. Mm. Having having a drink, mm. the partridge clipped version. Just Eddie's just said there in the chat. It, the chat is particularly uh, funny. The version where it takes him in the um, is it him and Jill when he's in the in his hotel room? The chocolate mousse bit, getting on the valance. <laughs> <laughs> that is all I can think of though when I see it. Like I know everyone always always goes to like the thick of it for like examples of what like the fuck is going on for this government. But I feel like it's more and more partridge every time. It is, especially with him. But hasn't he left mm. his wife now? And like she's left her husband, she's been kicked out or something along those lines. I'm sure I was told I this know. today by my son when I came back in from work, which was just weird. Like that I'm, he had that information. I'm more shocked that a woman was willing to cheat on her husband to go out with fucking <laughs> Hancock. Like, I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, <laughs> he's like, he is literally like the. I was just saying to you on Friday, like that that's what's up. That's where the world's gone now. Like the, the Tories think they can get away with absolutely anything because Trump has set the standards. Like Trump was Teflon. Anything that happened to him, anything got accused of, any controversy, just ignore it and carry on. And like that's been like, you know, Boris Johnson's MO. And I was convinced they were gonna do the same thing with this fucking lizard Hancock, but I am glad that it's like the the, the thing that's finally got him out and gotten rid of him. Yeah. Yeah, apologies to Will Cooling. Yeah, when I fans of Tories around here. They tried to say he didn't break social distancing rules. That was the first mm. thing. He was like, his tongue is in her mouth. <laughs> We're all wearing masks. I'm not an epidemiologist, but like, it, it, it's just incredible. I mean, it looked a lot like a certain clip I've seen once with Soraya Knight in it, but you know. Uh, <laughs> it is, isn't it? Soraya Knight clip gone in a very different direction. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, happy days. Yeah. I'm glad this government, what a fucking <laughs> shit show it is. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. But I was going to say, I mean, obviously uh, we'll get into uh, like everything we've been uh, been up to and the Patreon plugs and stuff. But I did want to mention as well, Gareth, just while while you're here, you know, we mentioned it a little bit on a, on Friday as well. It's the uh, it's the twenty year twenty year anniversary of the pipe bomb. Any thoughts? Any strong uh, 
thoughts on it? I've touched, there's been a lot of a uh, Twitter discourse over it uh, over it this weekend. Uh, I thought you might be a, a moment to say. I, I do enjoy that factoid that I've busted out a few times now. That is now it's been longer since the pipe bomb promo than was the distance between the 2001 invasion and the pipe bomb. That's how fucking old we all are now, even That's though the terrifying. pipe bomb feels very much like it's part of this era, isn't it? Um, yeah, closer to the invasion than it is to now. Wonder if you had any, uh, any thoughts on that. I'm just more, my thoughts are currently are just on the fact that there's been about three things that you've said so far that we discussed on Friday and I'm thinking, did we? I don't have any fucking recollection of that at all. When I looked at my bin the next morning and realised how much ale I'd put away that night, so it's hardly surprising because uh, fucking hell, I was a bit, uh, <laughs> bit, bit rough on, uh, on that morning. But no, I, I haven't, I mean, uh, to be honest, I hadn't been on Twitter loads over the last um, last. 24 48 hours but what i had seen like on there was like a lot of people trying to just uh i don't know like downplay it a bit (laughs) and like say like Mm. it wasn't as good as it was or it wasn't important as it was or anything like that and i was just thinking were these people even watching wrestling live in the moment at the time because they clearly weren't because it was just god i mean you know we've we've talked about it obviously before on the on, on the on the patreon we touched upon it on like um like the mr opportunities and stuff like that but fucking um oh god that was like something that it, it felt like the last time that it that something really kind of transcended beyond the wrestling bubble a little bit to me like it felt like it was something where mm. people were talking about it on a more mainstream level and it was the first time that wrestling felt like for a you know for, for quite a while that it it, it it had stretched stretched broader than that and i mean when you think about you know the impact it should have had again that we've talked about before that it ultimately didn't have really because typical wwe they they don't even go with something that's fucking handed served on a bloody silver platter for them to to get a bit of success mm-hmm. with because it doesn't fit their plans or their um their preferences then then they just fucking drop the ball on it completely but um but yeah it's uh it's 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 wild to to think that that's that long ago now because it still feels like fresh and clear clear as a bell in my memory really and then for you to say that um that example there of like the closeness to the invasion mm-hmm. angle and now like shit that makes you feel old that really does yes yeah, another horrible yeah. statistic that you bring up on this podcast <laughs> benno time jp <laughs> i don't like it i don't like this concept <laughs> It's messing with my head. I've been waiting for this one as well. I've been waiting yeah. for the anniversary to come because I knew at that point it'd just be old enough. It's like the, I was doing the same thing with uh, the Bret Hart coming back to Raw thing, which is uh, closer to when WCW existed than it is to uh, the current day. They're, they're my favourite little ones. I just feel like in wrestling, though, time has just stood still for the last 10 years or so. So that's kind of where that comes from. The reason we remember it so well is it was it was great. And it was different to everything else. Mm. It was like an oasis in a desert is what comes to mind with that. Mm. It was the kind of thing that when I would basically just not really watch WWE because it just felt they were, they had their structure in place and that's what they were going to stick with. And it had been so sort mm. of drummed into us by that point that it was like, you didn't, it was almost like you just give up, don't you? And so mm. this comes out, it was great. On the back of it, I went to Colt Cabana's website. I think I bought a couple of his t-shirts I was like, I he wouldn't really... shout him out today if he did yeah. it again. <laughs> well, yes, very, very different. Um, but it was, it was great. It was, it was something that they didn't do, and it's, it's the bit where he turns on Stephanie mm. and and Triple H. That's that for me is like the moment. The other stuff is kind of stuff that you've heard people say before on 
various television programs, particularly during the Attitude Era. It was that stuff where it was like laying like kind of direct criticism. And it felt like with the bullying statement as well, you know, which is, you know, when he mentioned that and that's the point where they, they cut it off. And it was just something different, wasn't it? Like I say, an oasis in the desert, mm. just something that felt real, the frustrations of someone who should be at the top of the card. And it felt like real. It, that's when wrestling connects best. When you've got some mm. a character out there being themselves, and that's that was very much how Phil Brooks felt about the company at that point in time. But then, as Gareth mm. said, they fuck it up because they're WWE. Oh, totally. don't they get, don't yeah. be um, don't be uh, you better edit that out of the main show about um, JP buying Cabana merchandise off the back of it because Punk will be after him. He'll be taking him to court for a uh, share of those <laughs> t-shirts that JP bought. Or yeah, that's it. Oh, how time has changed. Not the worst t-shirts we've talked about tonight, but enough about the pre-show. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, for me, like, like there's been a lot of discourse about like did the did like the summer of punk and the pipe bomb actually like because people say it changed the course of history and WWE did it or did that kind of thing. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like, I do think like you know, don't get me wrong, it's one of the the most memorable promos of all time. If anyone listened to my music of the mass, I was talking about it. They're like, it's so memorable that I actually didn't see it spoken about. I actually read it first. It was the whole thing got transcribed on a, on 411mania.com and I wasn't watching Raw every week at that point. So I just happened to click on it and read it. Then I watched the promo and it, don't, believe, don't get me wrong, it still landed with me. Uh, if anything, maybe followed the uh, the language of it a, a bit closer and there's a lot of things in there that you could you could still say today um, about the Willoughby. You just need to replace you know some of the words about uh, about Triple H and uh, and General Donald Nisus and throw throw Nick Khan in there and, uh, instead. Uh, but it, it does all kind of flow through. But yeah, it's a weird one. I, I do think like Punk's legacy in WWE and I think Daniel Bryan is like the one beat of that is yes, you know, Seth Rollins, Ambrose and some others were already in the WWE system at that point. But WWE really was a place where even though they thought tooth and nail not to push Brian or Punk, it was a place where, like, you know, see, Samoa Joe wasn't getting signed by WWE. AJ Styles wasn't getting signed by WWE. Half of the NXT talent wasn't getting signed by WWE. Like, it was kind of what we're going back to now, which is the Johnny Ace era of, you know, you've got to be six foot four and so many pounds with a, with a six pack to, to get signed. But, like, your indie name and the fact that you had this indie experience, if anything, counted against you in WWE up, up until that point. It was absolutely not a a point in your favour. And I think maybe maybe it's not directly as a result of the pipe bomb, but I think it's a result of Punk getting over and showing that there was money to be made there. And obviously it went wrong because, you know, the payoff to it was what, Triple H versus Army Kevin Nash in a sledgehammer on a latch or whatever the fuck they did. Like, yes, they didn't get the most money out of it they could have, but they still made a fucking shitload of money. They still, you know, even as pig-headed as the WWE are, kind of, I think, saw that there was maybe a marketability in a CM Punk, a guy who, you know, only a couple of years earlier, you know, remember when he was on that Survivor Series team with DX and Jeff Hardy and the like, and he was very much the the low man in that team and, you know, was as over as anybody else in that team, but WWE kind of slotted him a certain way. We're talking about even releasing him, you know, during that period as well. Like wrestlers like him, you know, weren't given the chance to get over in, in, in WWE. And again, WWE, have, it's not like they've done well with it over the years, but I think their attitude or their openness to somebody like him with a history like him of getting over, I think did change as a result of the promo 
and then him afterwards, and then Daniel Bryan, you know, getting over as well. Like I say, they didn't they didn't learn the lesson too well because they absolutely didn't make the maximum money they could make with those guys. But when people talk about it changing the business, I think it changed WWE. I think I think it, it, whether it's good or bad, I think it did change the the aesthetic of that company and what was uh, maybe acceptable to them. You could argue that it had a massive, you know, that it that it contributed to the negative feeling that's that, that's out there towards them uh, as a business because Punk was saying a lot of things that hardcore fans were thinking that really on a WWE programming you never get that level of voice or audience really you know saying that or it's something that you've never heard you know never heard before and suddenly it was you know on their own product somebody speaking something that yes okay was a wrestling angle but he was speaking truths and speaking a lot of truths that um and, and ideas that you know the fan base was thinking you know and then for them to then follow something up as hot as that by going back to the usual triple h bullshit and stuff you know stuff like that it almost just kind of like reaffirmed um you know it almost just reaffirmed their way of operating and their way to do business and you know you're, you're like mm. you know you look at things onwards i think like the the most significant fall for a 10-year period in wwe ratings was from 2001 to 2002 you know and then it kind of you know flatlined for for much of that the last last, last decade and i don't know you just wonder if the, the contributing fact uh, factor of making people think like yeah, you know, I, I don't want to support this. This is bullshit. They've dropped the ball again. There are other alternatives out there. Bloody, blah, blah, you know, da, 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 you know. While alongside that, you've got things like the the growth in accessibility of other wrestling products and growth of, um, you know, the 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 indie scene in and around that 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 time period as uh, as well. Like it's um, you know, it's all um. You know, it's it's all interesting. I think that we've seen that you know vast level of of decline happen. I'm not saying it's like directly correlated to it, but you know it's uh, it's 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 interesting because it was certainly something where you'd never you know you'd never seen that presented in that way at that you know at that magnitude. And it wasn't PG. I know there isn't swearing or anything else, but it's not aimed at a PG market. And I think, like, at that point in time, we'd had the kind of incessant scene stuff. And for me, it always felt like the fact that this was a promo that was from the heart, but it was also, like, kind of very adult. So if you were a kid, you wouldn't have been able really to make head nor tail of it. And I think that's kind mm-hmm. of nice. And it's something they just didn't do very often. Um, but, yeah, completely agree with, with what you said there, Gareth. It kind of opens up the floodgates, I think, you know, think someone like a CM Punk I could see to in this country leading to people who probably ended up getting into British wrestling then around that, at that point in time it's the kind of stuff that was I don't want to say Darby Allen is that type of figure but it very much taps into counterculture as well mm-hmm. and a kind of like general bucking of the system but and you know what they could have had an Austin type figure with him if they'd completely totally. thought and connected with it that's really where it is that's the, there was that big missed opportunity and then like we said as well on the on the show that we did on the patreon same thing with daniel bryan as well and yeah and the ratings have gone down I ever think- since ever since they actively started to fight their audience like going i know you yeah. like this person but we don't give a shit I think there's a cause and effect to that. I think, like, uh, you know, I think the, the, the two biggest things that, it, that, it, that I'd say the influence are, yes, we got a lot of shitty copy copycat 
CM Punk promos over the years. Okay, that was a negative, but like you know, another negative is kind of that. Yes, they fought, they still fought back over it, like you say, JP. And there's a there's a cause and effect there. Like you know, the, the WWE not listening to fans when they got vocally behind CM Punk. The WWE kicking and screaming about getting behind Daniel Bryan. You know, well documented. You know, despite the fact they'll tell you that their version of history is, oh no, we went with him, we put him in the main event at WrestleMania. No, they didn't, and then they put him as we talked about. They put him in with Kane the month after he won the title, and absolutely had no plans to go with him as a top guy, and have almost begrudgingly had him at a certain level of the card ever since. But I think there's a cause and effect there that, like, isn't it strange the way now? nobody connects <laughs> and nobody really cares about anything that happens into WWE. And as Gareth said, ratings have continued to slide and investment has got lower and lower for, for fans like us. Like, you know, WWE's like lack of, of a want to, to listen and a lack of a, a, a want to kind of, yeah, you know, take any key from what their fans do like their mate but we're coming out of the pandemic period they're going to be gutted because you know they're going to have vocal bizarro world crowds again going against their book and they're about to put roman reigns and, and john cena together in the ring again and after years of wanting roman reigns cheered i will fucking guarantee you roman reigns is getting cheered against john cena when that happens because john cena is going to get booed out the building again and the fans aren't going to do what they want and yeah there's a there's definitely a a pattern there and a and a reason i think why you know fans have become so rebellious and don't invest in the WWE product and just don't care anymore and i think a lot of it's connected to not running with that summer of punk after that promo 20 years ago and not running with daniel bryan and all of the other i would say microaggressions in this war on fans that's kind of taken place over the last 20 years but one of the things that's interesting that I'm curious to see is because so many people have checked out of the product and certainly like the the stuff that you see on social media, it, it almost feels like anybody who's critically thinking about WWE has checked out of the product, you know, like, like we talk about having done. And the people who are left are almost just like the fucking WWE robots who just watch it every single week and just eat whatever shit they give them and believe the lines that they say or that the you know, pro WWE journalists say and things like that. And they just eat this stuff up like fodder. And I wonder if that crowd that would typically, you know, go against what they were wanting to do in the arena aren't going to be there anymore just because they've just disengaged with the product entirely. So, you know, you might find that you're just left with the, this level of fan who's just so invested in WWE as a brand and a product and thinks WWE is, is awesome that they're just going to, they're, they're just going to go, you know, go against it. And it's almost become like a, their own little breeding ground of people just towing the party line now and all us problematic fans who um, have got an opinion and, um, you know, don't uh, don't go with what they want. We've all pissed off and started watching, you know, stopped watching their products and just watched more of other things and also I'd like the likes of AEW come up on the, the horizon to, to, to get behind and, and look at that really. So it'll almost become kind of almost self-perpetuating that you can, they'll never be able to win with those fans back as long as they're then just appealing to this ever um, decreasing bubble of people who just go along with the WWE group think and the WWE way of way of um, seeing things as well, so it's 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 intriguing. You see that ever more in the last two weeks. We've reviewed two WWE shows with the Takeover and Hell in the Cell, both of which bad shows, and neither of which we were com- emotionally connected with on any level, and that. Mm. It's, and that's the thing I always I always think with them is that emotional connection's gone. 
it feels like what could they possibly do that would really get me back? There's big matches, don't get me wrong. There's things like Reigns versus Rock, but that's not necessarily something I'm emotionally invested in. And it's very hard to see them doing it because it would require them to change. And unfortunately, I think they've, they've just sort of mistaken that they've made a lot of money doing things this way over this time period. And I think there's a kind of... I. I don't know if the two things are... They think the two things are more interlinked than perhaps what I would say there is. Like, this change about how they do creative has linked in with these enormous television and rights deals and the rest of it, which is given them this kind of false sense of perspective of, of sort of how good they are. And as we've said mm. several times, they've got really nothing else left to sell at this point, bar themselves. But it, the numbers are going down. I mean, when I do those on the daily updates and I go through some of the numbers on there, like SmackDown doesn't really hit 2 million like raw is now generally around 1.8 and it's going down mm. and we have we're not talking about things like when american football's back when the nfl's mm. back on monday nights and stuff like that they're the kind of much bigger things that kind of come into play i i worry as a brand ultimately that that like they've not been cool for a very long time and i think mm their decisions around a Brian and a um I don't yeah and, and a CM Punk, those decisions are the kind of things that prevent them from ever being cool. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. It's true. And like again, I think the the thing about it is like, you know, felt passionate about that CM Punk promo ten years ago. I think I I feel pretty passionate about the state of WWE right now, but I don't know. I think it's been in the 10 years since I think it's been beaten out of me to the point where I think mm-hmm. at least back then I cared. <laughs> at least back then I wanted things to improve. I, I made the joke on here before. Like if, if Raw, Raw got good all of a sudden, it fucked my life up because we record Spotlight on Mondays. I don't have to watch Monday, <laughs> three hours of Monday Night Raw. It sounds terrible, but that's how checked out I am, you know, in the WWE product. And, you know, uh, another legacy of that promo, I think, is like, yeah, the more the more things change, the, uh, the more they stay the mm-hmm. same as well. Um, but yeah, I was going to say. I mean, obviously, before we uh, we move on to other WWE matters and uh, and some other other news uh, coming up, yeah, I thought it was worth uh, marking that uh, that uh, that anniversary. But obviously, yeah, we've got a uh, lot going on um, over on the uh, the Patreon as well, including a, uh, a missed opportunities podcast where we talked uh, a little bit more about that that CM Punk uh, story and uh, another missed opportunities JP. But yeah, yeah plenty uh, plenty more uh, going on the on the Patreon, including the uh, the pre show that uh, our live listeners would have heard earlier where we were. Doing our best uh, soccer Saturday as uh, the uh, the Euros uh, keeps giving us uh, twists and turns as we go. You know, get, get that bonus material, all kinds of stuff over there on uh, patreoncom grapplejp Exactly, our reactions to a mental game that is going on. Sorry to date the recording between France and Switzerland, which is three all and very nearing penalties. So you will be getting a further <laughs> update. Spoiler: if you got this far. <laughs> about what actually happens but yes there you we, go people in the future exactly so yeah um just get it in there at this point we have at the moment we've got the patrons poll up uh for the grapple mixtape and yep uh yet again our patrons they like to see us suffer um the choices were um triple h reign of terror um big sexy's greatest hits title matches giants and dead lads um which has made it so <laughs> the poll Triple H reign of terror at the minute, running away with it. At oh, this point. Really? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Double. Steiner, How is Big Sexy going to hit the winner? I know. I know. 
I know. Um, so yes, sign up for that. that daily updates. Uh, we've got the Grappy Hour recording that we did, uh, which is really great. Kind of a lot of off-topic stuff as well. That that, that available to all patrons as well on the yep. Patreon page. If anyone uh, wants to check it out for a preview of what we do on the video side. And we've got um, and we did the weekend show as well before mm. that in there and yeah we've got a, a, a few other kind of irons in in the fire and i think we're going to end up recording quite a bit possibly over this sort of period i know i certainly am so yeah looking forward to it it'll be a it'll be a busy old summer mm. even though how many of us will be on beaches god knows because i'm not sure if you're aware <laughs> our podcast from the beach will be all right yeah exactly. <laughs> patreon.com forward slash grapple there you go for all of that but uh yeah we should uh, get into the uh, the week in wrestling and tell you all that's after that intro i don't know where to start we've got wwe releases we've got dynamite we've got garrett's trip to, to tnt what should we go with first Ooh. well we were slating wwe so we could probably go into mm. the into the releases ties in Every, everyone's desperate mm. for garrett's or take <laughs> Anytime this WWE releases, it normally happens on like a Wednesday or Thursday. Me and JP cover it on the weekend show over on the Patreon, and all of the comments are like, "Can't wait to hear what Gareth says about this." I don't know why he got his reputation as a a stone cold Gareth, uh, but it's it's happened. I mean, you know, I assumed Gareth you're gonna have strong opinions on the releases of uh, Fandango, Tyler Breeze, Tony Nice, Ever Rise. Still don't know the RJP. I don't, actually, we do. Two point we, we were told during the uh, the live Friday show. Uh, Arya Davari, August Gray. Killian Dane, Bollywood Boys, Marine Shafir, Arturo Ruas, and Kurt Stallion, all on the chopping block. Um, should we start the in memoriam now? Gareth, thoughts? <laughs> it's just set me up. Firstly, <laughs> <laughs> actually, does any does anything there stand out as like, oh, that's a, that's a big missed opportunity? I mean, we didn't have all of the names when we did the weekend show, did we? On uh, on Friday, mm. JP, you know, we knew about Killian Dane, which is probably the biggest name at that point, but not really. A, there's no blockbuster name there, is there? There's no Braun Strowman. No, no. Again, it's it, it's one of those like you you know you strip it back. Do you want to see people in the world lose their jobs? No, obviously not. But does it remotely matter that, you know, viewing this from a wrestling standpoint, does it matter that these people are now employed, no longer employed in WWE? Like, not at all. It doesn't make a dent in their product whatsoever. None of these are anybody who's going to sell a ticket, move the needle in any way. Then, you know, the majority of them are hidden away on 205 Live, and I'd hazard a guess that, you know, the vast majority of people probably listening to this haven't seen any of them wrestle in the past two or three years anyway. The only reason I'm conscious of some of these people is because they've got just awful WWE-fied names that I have to type into a spreadsheet to put up on an app every Friday or Saturday morning when 205 Lives happened. And they're literally going to, you know, make zero impact on, on, on WWE. And But some of them might actually um, end up bolstering a indie scene that's absolutely dead on its arse and you might be able to put a few names on a card here that means that a young lad gets to work with someone who's a bit more um, experienced than him and um, or it might sell an extra x number of things on a fight fight pay-per-view or a uh, or an IWTV show or something like that in the in, in the future and I mean that's the only thing that i mean i personally see coming out of this i don't think anyone's uh crying that they can uh, no longer watch any of these guys on their uh wwe product are they you know i think it's just um 
it's just yeah say okay these people they're they're not earning a they're, they're not earning that guaranteed uh living on their um on their uh on their contracts anymore which is never nice for anybody but equally you can't just keep people forever you can't just you know they've tried stockpiling people up and for years and years and years and we all moan that when wwe signs everyone and stockpiles them and then everyone moans when they fucking release people as well so <laughs> can't, have, can't have it both ways can you you know it's uh you either want them to stockpile people or you don't and it's just it's business at the end of the day and it's it's okay they can afford to keep everybody on the sun should they keep everybody under the sun under contract just because they can afford to well, I fucking hope not, because they'll be signing up another fifty people and just um, fitting them in under their roster as well. If they were, if they're going to do that and just kill the scene even more stone dead than they are, so it's uh, things things like this are only a boost. It's going to be a boost for Indies, going to be a boost for Impact or MLW or something like that. That there's just more people that they can get on these shows and work with and make different combinations and things as as well. So um, yeah, no um, no tears shed by me yet again. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, I mean, we said it in we on Friday, Garrett, uh, JP. It's like, you know, at the start of the pandemic, this was a different story. You know, yeah. it was genuinely awful when, you know, everyone's no one knew what was coming next and, you know, people losing their jobs at a time of record profits in a company. I mean, even, you know, now, like there's still, you know, yes, you know, wrestlers come and go. It's, it's football. It's any other sport, you know people get signed to contracts and get moved on from their contracts. That is kind of just the nature of the beast. There's still times where like, you know, yeah, they get, get rid of like a whole office staff or like, you know, but it definitely time. Don't get me wrong. WWE are cunts, but there aren't many names in this list that I'm particularly crying too many tears for. I mean, Fandango and Tyler Breeze. I mean, you know, those lads are fucking, they've had a living, you know, don't have <laughs> Tyler Breeze. more money than they ever should. Totally, totally. And and that doesn't run. even mean they were used well. Like it definitely doesn't. Like Tyler Breeze had a window of an opportunity where maybe you could have done more for him early on. You know, we had a fun little run in early NXT. Um there's something we should do a deep cut on at some point, early NXT. Um, you know, we had that fandango kinda got over with the fandango in for a week, you know, turned up to Goodison, you know, fucking Got paraded around the ground once or twice. You know that's uh, that's kind of the the high point of his career. Oh, and a, a WrestleMania match with Jericho that's still inexplicable to this day. Yeah. But those two lads since then, despite their bad use, don't get me wrong, have had 10, 15 year careers out of the company. And you're right, Gareth. Like if they were used well, you know, and this was a competently run company, they would have had a five year run that went really well. Instead, they've had fucking between them probably like twenty five years worth of money that they probably weren't worth um, because of WWE's paranoia and stockpiling and wanting to keep people they weren't even using properly, you know, under a contract. So I do find it, you know, hard to, to cry too many tears for them um i think killian dane's one that yeah you could have done more with you know there was you know i'm mm-hmm. not the big, i wasn't the biggest big demo fan in the world but you know big lad who can go relatively speaking you know i think could have been used better bollywood boys are a team you hear nothing but good things about like as far as like being workers and being people that you know could you know round the with the ball no matter what you put with them you know put them with fucking gender and you know they managed to to get over in that circumstance but you know two very small lads who 
you know, we're always in that two hundred five system. Live system, we're never getting over. Um, there's the other, there's the flip side of that going. There's a lot of two hundred five live lads that we're never getting over in this list. Tony Nice being another one, and um, you know, Davari, the other one being a being a bad one. August Gray, I kind of feel a little bit bad for, you know, considering he's, he's literally only just got into the company and started getting used, um, and is out on his arse. Uh, Anthony Green, um, who people were a sixteen carat last year, might have seen, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I struggle, JP, to pick like a headline one where I go, okay, that's that's specifically the one where you know there's the big missed opportunity these last couple of years. Unless unless you've been doing a deep dive on it on Everrise this weekend, and uh, I've learned who they are and have uh, got strong feelings on that one now. I haven't, and I've got no strong feelings about them. <laughs> Other than to say, I'm mean, echoing the thoughts of you guys, and I said pretty much this on 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 Friday that there are places for them to go to. So if they want to be involved in wrestling there are companies for them to go to and places to go to. And there's a good reason to be kind of motivated as well. Um, particularly if you're someone like a Tony niece, like you see the shots of Buddy Murphy getting kind of worked at working out and the rest of it. And you go, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. Here's someone who's been in that system for a long time, who now gets to kind of manage their own career on, on, you know, whether it's independent dates or, you know, for some of these, these guys, you kind of look at them and go impact. Like I look at a Breeze Anger and I go, I could easily see them on impact. You know, I could easily see the Bollywood boys going back there who were always hindered by the fact they don't have a junior tag division. So in, <laughs> in essence, they were kind of too small to ever be to kind of like a main tag. They were just there to kind of get destroyed because they were small. They could take those wild, ridiculous bumps off Randy Orton when he just nearly killed one, flipping him onto a table, I remember. But yeah, there's there's also the, the parts with, you know, people like our... Arturo Huas, who had a kind of MMA gimmick in NXT. If he wants to stay in wrestling, we're now going to get to know kind of how good they really are. And this is going to be a test. And if they are good and they want to be involved in wrestling, then we've already seen with like a Samoa Joe, they're not averse to hiring people back. But Mm. this is not the, this is, they've, they've been so bloated for a ridiculous amount of time. We're going to talk about part of their division, which is ridiculously bloated for inexplicable reasons in a bit in terms of like what's happening over here. But certainly like the performance center, they they need to get it down. And I know, was it Sean Ross Sapp's been reporting about the Vince McMahon's around the performance center. And so, yeah, get used to the idea of big, big lads coming up and blonde women. That's where we're going. Mm-hmm. We went back to the Johnny Ace days. So and this is good. This is good for this is good for us as wrestling fans as well because it means that the stop, if they're going for the um, six foot four muscle lads like they did at the start of the whatever early two thousands or whatever, that's when you had all the indie scene blossomed and it's you know it really spawned with proper wrestlers. They weren't getting signed. WWE wasn't touching them because they didn't want indie lads anymore. So as you look for that like next wave coming through, then hopefully it's going to be another crop. It's going to be in these lads. We're going to get these lads who get to develop on the the indies. You know, work with some of these experienced people who've fallen out of the the WWE system. And um, yeah, hopefully we might get another another wave of your um, your top indie lads coming coming through. Mm. It is like it is a, like the parallels, but also like some of it's quite opposite to like that period is like it's actually frightening right now. Like, you know, again, coming on the 20th anniversary of the summer of punk, like there's there's definitely like parallels there, but like it is like that is really, really interesting. I think that like WWE like I would have 10 years ago 
cried about the injustice of it all. The fucking oh, these WWE, these WWE, WWE know what they're doing. They're missing out on all this great talent, all these young indie wrestlers that I love are, are never gonna get their shot because Johnny Ace has got a hard on for six foot four lads and speedos. And like now, I'm like Johnny Ace, have all the six foot four lads and speedos yeah. you want. Oh, you want Killian Cross to your sound? Have him um, <laughs> carry across. Go for it. You know, it's like <laughs> if you want all those wrestlers, cool. Like I'll, I'll be made up if like the people I actually like wind up in in companies i actually <laughs> want to see them in like that that that's kind of where where it's different these days but yeah you're right the landscape is weird like we are in a landscape where you know two news stories there one you mentioned there jp samoa joe gets released from wwe he did an interview today with Ryan Satin where he's talking about getting signed up to NXT and how Triple H is so happy to sign him back up and he even leaves the door open for the possibility of wrestling matches again, which flies in the face of, you know, that story. Um, but, like, he's one, yeah, wasn't one for the main roster, but apparently, yeah, NXT have got a completely different, you know, way of looking at things and same going the other direction, you know, like a, a joke about it, but, you know, carrying cross, I'm, I'm no fan of him, but, like, the one thing that, that lad that got him over was purely entrance. He is an entrance, you know, he's an entrance and he's got, you know, he's got Scarlet on his arm. Who's, you know, part of that act. And what does Vince McMahon do when he, when he wants to, to have a look at him? He doesn't throw his NXT tape in. Is he fuck watching NXT? Is he fuck watching NXT UK? Vince McMahon is like, no, come in, do main event. We'll strip your entrance away. We'll strip, strip Scarlet away from you. And we'll have you just come out as a lad. And like, you know, I made the joke before, but it's 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 like when former Ring of Honor champion fucking Morishima, the current Noah champion, did like a, a tryout before Raw in a dark match because you know WWE didn't care who he was. It, it didn't mean anything. He was just a, a big Japanese lad. That's all they cared about. And there were lists of those kinds of guys. You know, CM Punk had the tryouts on Sunday Night Heat. Imagine that now, you know. Uh, there was loads of wrestlers like that. You know, like ROH champions at the time. John Walters would, mm. would work on dark matches for WWE and I'd never get it because it was... Yeah, Xavier, there you go. Yeah, he did their TV too. It was a different world because it wasn't a guarantee that you were to get into WWE and WWE probably weren't going to sign you because while they might use like an American Dragon Brian Danielson on Shotgun Saturday night or they might, you know, give Loki a squash match on, on Superstars where, don't get me wrong, he was the one getting squashed. They weren't the wrestlers they were considering hiring. And yeah, I think that that does feel like that's the, the place we're moving to. We're moving to a WWE where, you know, they're going to, they're not going to be made, you know, got Nick Khan in a spreadsheet, so they're not going to be, you know, keeping too many people in those warehouses, at least on the American side. Um, and they're also, you know, going for a certain type of guy, younger guys than all of that list of people that we've just mentioned have gotten released there. And yeah, it does feel a little bit Twilight Zone, like we're, we're very much going back to the past here. Yeah, and I think I think with that, it's like an interesting one that you mentioned there about Samoa Joe, though, because like... I mean, what was his main roster contract kind of thing? And you say about like going back to NXT, I just keep thinking like, well, whatever. If it is probably his new contract's probably what, a fifth of what he was earning in in on his main roster contract or something like that. I'm guessing, and it's more a case of kind of, do I want to go and like go back, you know, outside the system and piss about, or am I perfectly happy yeah. here in my little comfort zone and am I prepared to take a decent wage and a decent level of living and you know work back here at a lower wage doing doing less than it kind of I don't know it kind of makes you know obviously WWE is making a big saving and it's it's a um it's a good uh you know for level of security for for, for Samoa Joe I, uh, I suppose but on the uh, on the carrying cross stuff again I mean it's just classic 
it's classic Vince, isn't it? It's just like stripping people back, and and it is almost that kind of thing of like, like I don't know, prove it. How good are you? <laughs> kind of thing as well. And it's uh, you know, the, can you do the, it without the thing that got you over? Yeah, That's his logic, it, isn't it? it, it <laughs> exactly. It's like, are, are you just an entrance? Who are you? Can you connect with the crowd and things like that? And to be to be fair, there's some. There's some logic when you think about it. There's some logic and safety mm. in that when it's hidden. I think I'd rather just on, make money with them, though. When, <laughs> I'd rather just take what works and make money. When, it, like, when it's when it's hidden away on main event or some, you know, <laughs> it's not like it, it's you know. I think there's the, the, there's that element where it's it's a bit more a bit more hidden, but then you've still got it in your back pocket to go. Okay, yeah, no, he doesn't. It, you know, we can bring him up properly and put him into a proper you know angle. You know, further down down the line on on that basis. I don't I like. I don't, I don't know. I, can see, I think I can see both both sides of the coin on, on on that one. Unless I've missed something, it's not like it was like right. He's up and he's on main roster now, and this is him, and he's all on his toe, and you know, thing, More things that like they that. Put him on TV. Well, not TV, but like they put it out there for the world. Like that makes sense logically. If main event has fans in front of it, and your idea is to see how he works in front of fans. But like you can surely take that segment with Karrion Cross and not put it on your TV anywhere if you want to just see what he looks like because it's not like anyone sees it, you know? It's in an empty warehouse. That's what's so bizarre about that situation. No one sees me. It is. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Another, another, <laughs> another thing that's bizarre is um, Kylian Mbappe's Mr. Penalty, so France are out. Switzerland oh. through. <laughs> well, yeah, so there you go. There's, there's the update for you. Uh, oh, good! Our live viewers are coming back now. <laughs> and who would blame them as well? I've had a hell of a day of football for it. Um, I was thinking about. I mean, the, the, I think there's a much bigger kind of issue with the company, which is they can sign these work rate wrestlers. They don't really know what to do with them, do they? At their core, they know how to work with a certain type of wrestler, and that is the kind of wrestler that they um, want to take part in. You know, they are like. It is, uh, you know, it, it's a case that they're not able to. Oh, sorry, I'm just watching loads of Swiss lines go absolutely fucking mental on my screen here as well. Um, <laughs> but why sign these wrestlers now? They don't know. They're not. They don't want to work with them. They don't really want to market them. They just kind of want them there to be squashed. That's the main thing that they're interested in. Beyond that, like let them have the six four four lads. They're interested in doing things with them. I won't watch them. They've lost me a long, long time ago, but that's probably going to make them weirdly work better. So, like, if they can let some of these lads who like having good matches put them out on the on the indies and to other companies where they'll actually get properly used. And so much of the stockpiling has been about really a fear that other companies will use these wrestlers better than what we will. So, therefore, we mm. should have them because that's the thing to prevent them. So, it's as it's as much about not letting your competition do anything with them. Someone like Nick Khan kind of, you know, blows that theory up. Mm. And we've seen examples of this on a minor scale with someone like a Tyre Conti being released. But, you know, then again, you see yeah. that you mentioned the Carrion Cross example. Made me fucking piss myself. Mm. I won't lie. His <laughs> absolute disgust at it is worth it as well. <laughs> he, he looked like he was trying not to be good. He just looked, he looked so uncomfortable. Like, living but you're pretty. What it says to me, though, as well, it's just a complete lack of respect for whatever Triple H is doing. Like, it feels like Bruce Pritchard has gotten back in Vince's ear, and he's like, oh, fucking Triple H with all his fucking indie flippy guys. Ignore him, whatever he's doing down there. 
we're we're the proper stuff. We're the proper main roster. Like they're literally treating NXT like it's an indie, like it's Ring of Honor in the mid two thousands. Like I think I, honestly, I think they've had one too many Keith Lee's come up with. Vince has just not got it. And like I say, Bruce Pritchard and the like are, are in positions of power now that like it just shows Man, you like how far he's a cheerleader on that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but they've got no respect for what Triple H is doing down there. Honestly, I don't think that that man's got any power left, and we get more and more signs of it as the uh, as the months go by now and the years. Has he earned that respect though? That's a, that, that would be like my counterpoint to that because NXT is shit. I think a lot of the talent who have come up to the main roster, okay, they've been sad saddled with you know they haven't necessarily had you know great opportunities and and, and things like that, but. I don't know. You know how many of them have stepped up, and you've thought like, "God, yeah, he's you know he's really present. You know, he's presented himself as well as we think he is. He's connected with a you know WWE bubble mainstream audience and things like that as well. And like, I don't know, like, I don't know. It's it's probably it's an element of like passing the book and passing the passing the blame a little bit um, there. But you know, I don't know if you're looking at it like from a cold hard business point of view the the business is in the shit with all these lads who've come up through NXT and some of them have been pushed to prominent positions and they haven't delivered mm. on the ratings. And I know there's a lot of that is because the WWE match style and the WWE verbiage and things like that. But in the theory, within that bubble, that's what their audience are supposed, you know, supposed to consume and engage with and things. And I, I, I think there's been um, there's been a a lot of them, even though they're people that we like and we loved on the indies and we thought they were, you know, we could go out and go and have a 30 minute match at a, you know, on an indie show somewhere and the deliver. I think a lot of them have failed at connecting on a, on, on a bigger scale as, as well. And I'm not saying it's the right answer to go back to the, the, the Johnny Ace thing. In, in theory, they should probably be looking a bit more inward and going, okay, well, what is it about these guys that are there that got mm. them over on the Indies and got them over in, you know, you know, to a certain level within NXT and made people interested in them and think, okay, we maybe need to change the way that we work as a business and present wrestling anymore. But again, as we always come back to, when that doesn't align to this one man's vision for what wrestling should be, then... In, these people have kind of failed at delivering against this one man's vision, and then so he's going to see it as failure. And you, you know, you can't yeah. you, you can't look past that. Well, I take. I mean, to start, I'd say that man's wrong, but you're right because. <laughs> no, but we've talked about it before, haven't we? That like NXT is set up to serve a different master nxt exists as a triple h ego trip the the all of you know we just talked about again the, the great time to talk about it anniversary of summer of punk but all of the quote-unquote indie names and you know those kind of guys that they signed and the popular you know on popular work rate style hardcore fan style that nxt was a lot of it was just triple i mean we can see it now for what it was triple h vanity triple h wanting to get himself over is like no i'm not the villain you all thought i was in the early 2000s i'm you know i like the guys you guys you like i want to push johnny mm-hmm. gargano i want to push tomaso tromper and you know for a while we had a very good product in nxt at least as far as the paper you know the takeovers went you know the, mm-hmm. the weekly tv i think always flattered to deceive but they had something there but yes, you know, in a company where that is actually not what Vince wants. And again, I think Vince is wrong. Like, and I still think, to be honest, you know, a lot of the, in fact, pretty much 
the majority of people who've gone up. I'd like to see anybody, you know, succeed in this system. I, I'd like, you know, I, I really think that like you could have the best wrestlers in the world getting pulled up, called up at this point, and once they go into that raw, you know, treadmill, it's it's gonna have the same result no matter what. But it has also always been weird that yes, you know, NXT what is, and you know, the the performance center beneath it that it's supposed to be at least in some ways still developmental is trying to achieve something that maybe might be more akin to what I would do with a wrestling company, but it's not akin with what WWE and, you know, the crazy old man at the top want out of his company. And maybe this implosion point was always going to come. If you're a sensible company and you you would think about it and you have a feeder system, even if you're like a baseball club, you're bringing in certain types of players to fill certain types of roles at developmental levels to hope you get a certain type of picture that comes through at your at your major league club and even in like youth academies with football what there is and what you've talked about there Benno is the complete disconnect from NXT to WWE and all of these parts are disconnected and it's partly because of like you say there's that kind of there isn't a structure it's it's down to the whims of one person and what they look for is something that the whole his whole kind of raison d'etre at this point is to be kind of unpredictable isn't it it's it's to kind of just decide to do things completely from left field, inexplicably push someone, inexplicably de-push someone, and you're just like, what? What's going on? And none of this makes any sense. So you can't have that. That kind of proper structure just can't exist in that company for what it is. And that's like, these are the kind of deeper ingrained problems when it comes through to, to kind of star creation. Because, you know, on top of all of this, they've, they've forgotten that, that they've forgotten the key ingredient of how to make stars. Like you say, Beno, they could have the greatest wrestling promotion in the world with mm. all of these talent that they've had. And we've seen them have this talent for, you know, well into sort of 10, you know, you mentioned 10 years ago from the, from the pipe bomb. They've had a lot of this talent for the majority of that time. And it's the ratings have gotten worse. The product has gotten mm. worse. Like, so when you mention about the could sign a card up and put a card of Tanahashi on Raw, and they'd fuck mm. it, they'd completely fuck it. So yeah. like, it it feels at that point, it's just like I don't want anyone near them because it's like you almost want to say, look, you learn a load of money, but like you're going to be doing the most functional, dull type of wrestling in a stale product that just is becoming more and more over time, kind of irrelevant to the popular culture and. I always think with these things, if you're very far behind this kind of zeitgeist, like you're in danger of being like left behind. And I always think with this stuff and I read so much of these, like I'll be reading out stuff, having a raw tomorrow morning. And I just think there's no way in hell my sons as teenagers would watch this. There's no way Mm -hmm. in hell that Gareth's kids would look at this and suddenly become kind of transfixed by it. That's not going to happen because it's, Mm -hmm. it's just too fucking dumb for anyone to kind of connect to anyway. And, and and that's where, like, when we, like, talk about the NXT side of things as well with, like, Triple H, I just think with hindsight, hindsight he just got given too much, I don't know, I think he got, he got given too much credit, maybe, for mm. what was good about NXT. You know, in reality, yeah, you go in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in, in reality, it's like we're hoovering up the best literally the best indie lads are these like really top quality workers from all over the place. And it's like, all right, here you go. Here's a takeover with a hot crowd. 
Almas and Gargano go, uh, there you go, you've got half an hour, go and do what you fucking want. Like, of course, it's going to be a good match. You know, it's Nakamura and Sami Zayn, oh, go and have half an hour, just to, just have a match that you want to have kind of thing. Of course, it's going to be a good match. And it's, you know, and, and you could tell back then that it wasn't over-engineered at all, in, you know, in any way, in terms of the input from your Shawn Michaels of this world and Triple H, the, these mm-hmm. stamps that are much more clearly been placed on the product and seemed to be much more clearly placed on the product, probably around the time that AW came into existence as well, where they suddenly thought they had to put their own hand and own, own stamp on it as well. And it's, um, you know, subsequently, the you know, at a time probably when there's less top-level indie lads that they could sign, you know, they could just go, there you go, you're a fresh face, go out and have, a, have an awesome match for half an hour. Now they're like even placing greater restrictions on them and telling them to work in a certain way and telling them to be more, you know, main roster style as well. So it almost feels to me is like the product's got worse as Triple H has got his hands on it more, <laughs> or, got, or rather than it just being that more open. There you go. This is a super indie. He's some great lads. Yeah. Just go out and work. Work for a long period, you know. We're going put on twenty minutes, going put on half an hour in front of a, a, a fucking rabid crowd. Like it's impossible to fail in that in, in that yeah. regard. And like you say, the weekly TV wasn't up to People much at that. all. Yeah. People forget that the weekly TV was properly de-emphasized. It, it you didn't have to watch the weekly TV. I used to think that at the time. I was like, we'd all like dream about a day and we said it on this podcast the day triple h will take over things will get resolved and i i did act i think we probably talked about it on the podcast i used to think well what would it all look like because you're not going to get away with an hour of squash matches and maybe an angle every three weeks that, that they were getting away with nxt tv at that time when it was properly critically a game like we all worked ourselves into a shoot that it was something it wasn't but it was the takeovers wasn't it like you say nail nail on the head man. like great wrestlers in front of big crowds being allowed to go out there for as long as they want and have a great match you know the i mean you know it's been happening on the indies for years but that's what it was it was a, it was a super indian would that ever translate well maybe we got our answer in this in this weird last couple of year period where yeah it's it's had to go into usa network it's had to have a bit more of a you know a, a main roster feel to it and obviously there's loads of negative influences on that you mentioned Shawn michaels you know i'm sure you know vince's uh eye isn't too far away now and stuff as well but we kind of saw it it didn't work so kind of leaves you with a situation where i actually don't know what the answer is what happens when vince mcmahon dies you know there's you know i don't think triple h is going to come in and be the hero we all want nick Khan, i suppose is going to be running the business operation side of things but yeah there's not an easy answer is there um, small man to it Small oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Recycling booking from his NXT UK run. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> oh. Ginny at WrestleMania. Ginny oh, Sasha, Sasha Banks. Laura Di Matteo <laughs> interference. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say to that point as well, like, you know, to the point of like WWE mm. at the top not knowing what they're doing. Like, you know, there were this fucking ridiculous story this last week of this oh. Kenneth. Mobley, the uh, the 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 female writer who knew nothing about WWE, got hired. Spoke about it on a podcast, and then got fired um, because she referred to Bobby Lashley as Bobby Ashley, and you know made clear she didn't understand what WWE was. And that poor woman's getting death threats today. I saw her on Twitter today. She's like what? literally got people using the contact form on a on her website to call her a cunt and a bitch and all things like this because she doesn't she didn't know anything about wrestling and how dare it's like no, she's not the problem. It's the top. It's the person who thinks 
think signing someone like that's a good idea. That's you know, that, that's where the issues lie. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, she was another one of the victims this week. When those fans, or they, when they think of Vince, they think of no chance in hell and the funny walk, and they're just like, isn't he great? Like they mm. just completely lose all sense of perspective, and they view him as a television character rather than a businessman who is his propensity for self-sabotage is quite incredible. Like when you think mm. about it, like the stuff he does, which kind of you always imagine directly hurts his business. But yeah, that was ridiculous with her. I think there was like part of the remit that I saw reported was that they didn't want writers talking about the writing process or WWE. So basically <laughs> they, they can't do podcasts or talk about it. Well, with anyone else. We knew that to be fair. They didn't want that process, but that's because the process is fucked. It's just mm. like, she didn't know anything about wrestling and it's like, Look, she went for the job. There will have been a person spec for that job. She will have met the person spec for that job. She'll have given them examples of writing. It's kind of what they wanted to have, no? So, like, mm. the fact she didn't know about wrestling, they would have known that. That's not new for writers. Yeah. I can't help but feel like sometimes in these cases, how much does race and gender play a part in the fucking extreme reaction as well, to be frank with you as well. That sounds kind mm. of like... That's normally when the VIN cells start fucking going for it, don't they? Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous. There is a, there's a whole process they fucked the entire time. Like, uh-huh. like it, 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 it's this is how they hire. They're not interested in people who are actually interested in wrestling because they've always viewed those people as marks. And if you did get a job at WWE as a writer for a long time, if you were a wrestling fan, you kept that shit quiet because they had that weird office culture that you would hear about that even existed in the writing room where they'd be kind of openly bullying people and the rest of it, which links then back to the pipe bomb promo. <laughs> All lived together, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, if she did lose a, you know, if, if stuff I've read, I thought, I thought I'd read that her losing her job was more about the stuff like the, you know, not two in the line in terms of, you know, you know, coming out and speaking about certain things that they, that they don't want to happen and things like that. But that's what the to be honest, <laughs> to, to, you know, that, 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 that's what they're saying. But if yeah. if if somebody's losing their job for not knowing about the place that they work, like again, I've never been into a job interview in my life where I didn't, um, you know, I didn't swat up on the company and swat up on what they do and go in there and feel like I can actually have a articulate conversation with them about um <laughs> their industry and their business and things like that it's not like when i uh when i worked at iceland, you ever give- I, w- I wouldn't know I, I, you know i, w- I wouldn't have, i wouldn't have rocked up to iceland head office and not known about you know their you know Steak whatever picks. their key markets or their key competitors or blah de blah and stuff you like that so yeah. exactly you know so you just swat you it all. likewise other, other other jobs as well like i don't know if it's a uh, I don't know. There's part of me that's. But you wouldn't give like, them people a job either, though, would you? That's that's the thing. Like, yeah. if someone came to well, that's, that's, your that's, that's true. If somebody <laughs> exactly, if someone comes to my workplace and they don't know about it, then I don't, yeah, you don't you don't employ them. So there is that. Yeah. How many interview <laughs> stages would she have gone through? Two, three. Mm. Somebody at some point would have had to have mentioned. Do you know anything about wrestling? No, they wouldn't. They probably didn't even ask. No. <laughs> So they're not interested. That's not what they want. Because, like, for a long time, and this, you know, hits the crux of the issue. They don't view Vince doesn't want to view themselves as a wrestling company because the idea of him being a wrestling promoter, I imagine, on a some sort of psychoanalytical scale, means that he's a failure and everything else. And he'd be right. 
He has largely been a failure in everything else. See WBF, X, XFL, WWE movies division. All of this stuff, enormous. Linda McMahon's senatorial campaign. Like, things he's pissed money away on. And he has been a failure. But it's this idea still that it's like, well, the product I make isn't wrestling, it's now television. So there's like this bizarre denial of what they do in the first place. And so their response for the last few years is to sign up the best wrestlers in the world, which is expressly not what he wants. So, sorry, going around in circles here with this, isn't it? It's just a, it's a shit company. It really <laughs> Absolute shit. We've watched so, pay per views. They were wank. You could have just said that. You could have just said that one line an hour ago, and we'll yeah, move yeah, on yeah. to the next section. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. I was going to say, in related news, while we've got the uh, the Brits back with us, uh, we've uh, <laughs> we've been live. Uh, good to see you, Alan, in the chat. Uh, people watching the uh, the footy. Uh, well, you know, three three penalties. We missed it tonight, lads. So I'll have to, we'll have to uh, catch the the replay tomorrow. Uh, but while we've got uh, the the Europeans still awake with us on the live show, do you want to cover the uh, the little bit of Brit res news we've got as well? And um, start off when we uh, we hit it this high, but it's kind of related as well. You know, speaking mm-hmm. of do we hire in the uh, the best people in the world? Um, there was uh, some some news this week uh, dropped by RevPro that uh, they're, they're stripping Jamie Hayter of the uh, the RevPro women's title uh, here in the Sky Smithson, both there. Uh, Apparently, uh, contact by NXT UK about uh, receiving tryouts, uh, and I've accepted that offer. Um, in, so instead of uh, doing the the cockpit show that's uh, coming up next Sunday, they've uh, they've done that. Uh, I heard you cover it on the uh, on the news show <laughs> this week. JV did the did the cracking job, you know. Um, I mean, <laughs> if you were Andy Quilden, would you bother having a women's division at this point? Like, I don't know if I would. Uh, like, it feels like no matter who you you could potentially put the belt on. Like, it, he's got Giselle Shore and Zoe Lucas. In a in a women's title match uh, for the vacant belt instead this Sunday, the logic being there the uh, the two uh, women who were uh, last champions, so therefore they qualify. I mean, the main thing there is that Zoe Lucas's office, and I don't think Giselle Shaw's going anywhere. So <laughs> you've just got to like, yeah, be safe. Like, isn't it a weird situation though that like two hundred five live is bleeding wrestlers and has like five people left on the roster? And um, we always say that the, the counterpoint about NXT UK is. Well, you wouldn't save any money by binning people off anyway, but you know, they're adding people to the ranks rather than taking them away. And yeah, wouldn't you know it, JP? A couple of a uh, couple of rev pros are finest uh, in that list again that you have to presume are uh, are probably going to end up yeah. wind up to sign it over there as well. It's it's no coincidence. And again, it's one of these moves where, on a personal basis, for them, that you know, there's security in a contract, and if they're successful and they get the job there, this is where we get into. We have to always give that ridiculous disclaimer for the really thick people at the back of the room that what is good for the wrestlers is not always good for the fans. And yeah, just throw that out there. Sorry, so throw that <laughs> out them. there yet again. Like, and if you don't understand that concept, you're really listening to the wrong show. Just like I'm wasting your time on it. But this is the thing that, like, it, it's ridiculous. Because they don't need either of them. And it doesn't feel like anyone from the NXT women's division is being moved up to NXT proper or WWE main roster. So, and they're not going to be given extra TV time. So where do all these people fit in? It's the bloated people. It's almost like that mentality in the US that Nick Khan is kind of going about kind of deconstructing hasn't landed Mm. here yet. And they're still stuck in... We're in a war with Rev Pro, who serve as a proxy for <laughs> AEW in the US, and we're going to stockpile all the wrestlers here. And they're not going to be used as much. And, you know, for them to be on these shows, it would give a, a kind of 
a decent underpinning. They don't need them. It it feels quite spiteful in some ways. I'm not saying like they can't ever sign them or have an interest in them, but it's just like it, it's really fucking underhanded, isn't it? Mm. Like there's no kind of other way around it. It, it is, and it's because and it's simply because they don't need them. There isn't any reason for this, and it doesn't appear to be any kind of benefit on this. It just fucks up the title program yet again. And wasn't it before that Jamie Hayter got it because who had been signed at that point? Oh, Someone else had I mean, been signed. Priestley's in. Yeah, I mean, Giselle Shaw did that. And then she before. turned up on progress. So I just assumed Giselle Shaw was going to probably get signed at some point with her losing the belt so quickly and popping up on progress for the for the first time as well. So mm-hmm. um, who knows? Maybe it is so just a Millie case McKenzie. She's not doing anything mm. with her. They changed her name. Mm. Well, yeah, I really mean, think they're going to do stuff with Sky Smithson. I mean, I've just uh, you know I've just done like quick thing of the roster there, and it's like there's currently unless it you know there's forty four people like on the roster. There's four hours of fucking wrestling a month. Do you know like <laughs> it's like how, 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 how the fuck like how the fuck are you squeeze like, every week? It's it, it's absolutely unbelievable. And even there, where you like look at the women's wrestlers. There's, there's currently like twelve women's roster, women's wrestlers signed to the roster there, and then if you're thinking you're going to add another two, like, like, is there four matches, four women's matches a month? I'm assuming they probably put one women's match on a show. You know, you might get two <laughs> some weeks kind, kind of thing, most, <laughs> most likely. Like, there's people there who, what, what? The, I mean, fair play in terms of earning money and doing fuck all on the old um, Kevin Nash scale, but like, you know, guaranteed income probably for working about like four times a year on TV or something like that. Like fair fucks, especially during the pandemic and things, and then especially with the British independent scene that it is again. Like you're, you're not going to deny these people getting a bit of a getting a bit of spons in their in their pockets, but like, mm-hmm. like fucking hell, like it just doesn't add up. Yeah. Well, like uh, Chris has said in the chat there, I think he's nailed it. If you bring in new people every couple of months, you don't have to do any real booking, you know? <laughs> Just you wrestle wins, get a match, yep. get a title shot, off back to the warehouse. Like, nailed it. Like, that is... I mean, I'm surprised that didn't happen with Nico, to be honest. Like, she came in, lost the title shot, disappeared. I mean, he looped back round and, get, and gave her the belt eventually. But, you know, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you, you run you run a, a women's division like that and you don't, you don't have to do any proper booking. And good Lord, like, you know, Jim Smallman and ilk have uh, hardly shown themselves to be uh, masters of booking women's divisions in the past and that's kind of continued on with uh, with NXT UK um, yeah and I find I, I mean you know in, in isolation you know people might listen to this and go like you know are people really that bothered about Jamie Hayter getting sweeped up or really people really bothered about Sky Smithson getting sweeped up but it is it's the pattern isn't it like there's part of me that kind of likes the fact that Andy Quilden got got out ahead of this and like put that press release out and was like, you know, because don't get me wrong, these girls haven't signed yet, at least as far as we know. Like, but he's getting ahead of it and going, you know what? Stripping the belt. If you are gonna go to your NXT UK trial, then there's no space to you in our company. That's absolutely what he's probably gonna need to do going forward. Like he can't trust using people who've got those NXT UK ties, however, you know, vague. I mean, Jamie Hater's one I would have thought would have been safe, you know, AW ties. I know they've not used it in a while, but you would think you know there might be, you know, a route back for air. Um, like it's just that kind of 
surprise me mostly about that but it is it goes to this argument and we talked about it a little bit on the pre-show of like we're not talking like you know these are the best women's wrestlers in the world or these are like you know people who are particularly even really drawing them money in Brett res the problem is you know as it has been over the last few years is yes and it, you know we lost a lot of talent uh you know naturally to a stardom you know specifically people that, that red pro use and we lost you know you know the, your ospreys of the world who, who went off to new japan and we didn't have them full-time anymore and you know nxt uk the thing with that was yeah we lost some headliners a couple but what we actually mm-hmm. lost was you know as we said on the pre-show a couple of people you know the upper mid carders the mid carders the lower mid carders the depth is what we lost and you know i saw a, a tweet from, from them yeah this weekend it was like literally now we've got the trainees Every Brit Rush show now is two Lycoses, Big Guns Joe. <laughs> you know, Dan Maloney might turn up, but he's probably going to get swiped up. You know, it's it's these same Absolutely. wrestlers. And, and you sit well, there and try and fantasy book. Like, you know, we were talking on BWE about the, the Progress Tag Division or even the world title. We were like, oh, yeah, who, who, could, who could fight Karanoir next? And it's like, fuck, I, I, once I've named two names, there's no one left. <laughs> Where's the depth? Even there in a WWE co-sponsored promotion. But the depth in the actual scene is... You know, it's not there. And, you know, signings like this keep happening. And again, as you said, JP, good for the individuals. you got to throw that out there. Not that I particularly care, but good for them, I suppose. But it's that strength and depth that is so oh, far gone that, absolutely. you know, even the depth beyond the depth is uh, is disappearing at this point. And and I was making a point at the weekend as well. It's we're, we're looking at this as well in a environment where you've maybe had these pre-taped shows that have been um, going out there. And when they have come like live shows back, there's literally been maybe like two shows running in the country or you know, on, the, or, or, on a given day. What happens in the future when, I don't know, you get a day where TNT are running in the north and someone's <laughs> running in the Midlands, and RevPro or Progress are running in the South. Suddenly, there's the, you know even if it's just three shows, if you go back and you look at all these RevPro shows that have happened on TV and, and in no crowds, all these Progress shows that have that have happened recently, if you look at who's popped up on these Future Shock shows and the TNT show at the at the weekend, the crossover between them is absolutely huge. And then suddenly, if you go well, actually. 20% of that card's going to be in Manchester a day. 20% of that card's in London a day. 20% of it's going to be in Birmingham or Scotland or whatever because ICW oh. is running or whatever. Like, so how, how, how then do you even run three or four shows in a, on, on, a, on a given day or, like, you know, on a weekend as well? And, like, you think of three years ago, four years ago, you'd be looking and you'd be picking and choosing almost. You'd be like, oh, I might go to, you know, I might go to London on that Sunday. Oh, no, I won't. I'll stick around. I'll stay in the Northwest because that matches on that show kind of thing. And I want to see them or I haven't seen them before and things like that. You're literally just combing it, you know, it's like, Combing air over a ball patch, isn't it? Kind of thing, you know. It's uh, it's as I'm well, <laughs> well conscious of doing. <laughs> you look great, um, <laughs> but it's you know, it's that thing of stuff's just been going to be stretched too too thin, and you know, you can you can name the talent because we've all named the talent who've been on all these shows. It's oh, young guns. We bring them back here. Doug Williams is and your Jody Fleischers and things like that to work there, and then it's you know, you know, you're filling in with your Dan Maloney's and things like that, and it's just all these same people that. Can't can't work everywhere and can't can't work everywhere in a weekend. You're gonna end up with one show, one show a day. 
honestly. Like, honestly, basically, the young guns are going to need to learn to drive because if there's that many shows happening <laughs> on a day and they get them, that car with big guns, big guns going, like the rest of the lads are going to be fucking traveling up and down this country, you know? God, like, it's going to break down. There's just shows cancelled. Someone's going to beat the Rampage Brown record. I think it was Ben Dazzler tweeting about it, like seeing him like 16 times on a weekend, like two tournaments and like another show on a Sunday. Like, fuck, like how busy is fucking Joe Nelson going to be? Like, yeah, it's just that, that, that is the truth of the matter. It is. And we get back to the crux of what the issue with British wrestling is at the moment. It's not to say that there isn't talent, but the way that talent gets better is by working with wrestlers who are better than them and have been working longer so they learn to develop their home and and hone their craft but those wrestlers they would work with aren't around anymore so we're quite often relying on young young people wrestling each other and kind of hoping that something clicks and connects and that they're able to kind of generate good matches out of each other which is the the issue that we we've got about where british wrestling is going to be at, at this point in the future it just feels like people don't realise the whole card got taken away. Mm. Bar, bar Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr., who naturally progressed to a big level promotion in high profile spots, which is the kind of thing that when people left the British scene, if they went on to do that, you were like, well, good, good, good for them. That's a kind of natural promotion. If you're supporting a, a League One club, and one of your players gets a transfer to the... I remember when Kamal Roof got a transfer from Oxford to... Um, who was it? It's someone in the championship. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, oh, God, was it Swansea or someone? Like, anyway, along those lines. I didn't I didn't just go like, you fucking greedy prick. It was like, well done, mm. mate. You've earned that transfer. You played brilliant. You're better than this division. Go on and do that. But we don't have that because NXT isn't really better than any of these indies even with mm. all of these advantages they've had. Mm. You know, don't get me wrong. I know that there are good matches on there and we'll hear about good matches on hey, there. The Walter but... Ilya match will be great. I'm fucking forward yeah, to it, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. It's just that I can't help but feel like, oh yeah, this is the reason why Brit Rest died was for mm. this NXT UK. And I'm horny. No, it didn't, mate. I heard there was a wrestler in a leisure slinter under a chandelier this weekend who was shouting about Brit Rez wasn't dead in front of Phoenix. 20 people and three families, you know? <laughs> it's alive. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of that this summer. You know? <laughs> oh, the end of mate, every show is going to be a promo. Monster. Every <laughs> single... You know, I've heard some people say that Brit Rez is dead. Turn around and stare to whichever one of us three are there and just go, here we go. <laughs> But here in Cleethorpes, it is alive and well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, or Kirby, perhaps. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, a leisure centre yeah. outside Reading is like, well, this is just like <laughs> fucking Budokan in the mid-90s, isn't it? That's what we're Cole Meltzer. Yeah. yeah. We've never had it so a, good. Got a lot of grief this weekend for saying that uh, it's going to be in, in leisure centres under a chandelier. Those promos are going to get cut. We have chandeliers in our leisure centres, Gareth. We do. Okay, I meant town halls, but still, you know, point stands. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean, back to the rev point though. Like, if you're them, like, I, I can't. I saw someone tweet about it today, and they're absolutely right. You just do something with stardom instead. I think it was Rover talking about it. You just fucking just do that. Just like basically whatever stardom got, or what you know the the non-suit run stardom. Just get him over, make him happy, book a load of fucking just book their talent, 
and treat it like the New Japan relationship. Don't bother. <laughs> like, don't bother with your own division because they're going to get signed sooner or later. Um, like, yeah. And, and even, like, you know, even, even the men's division, it's the same thing. You know, they're putting all their eggs in the, the Ricky Knight Jr. basket. I don't mm. think he's ever going to get signed by WWE. But this is the problem when, you know, Red Pro is probably our biggest non-WWE company at this point, at least, you know, within our circles or at least the one that, you know, people might, bother to catch online from different parts of the world or, or travel to like you know I'd, I'd struggle to bother like being Andy Quill I'd struggle oh. to bother trying to be like some kind of like top level competition to the the WWE feed the promotions like it's it's looking more and more like it's not worth it to fucking run in the cockpit next Sunday with half attendance and lord knows how much money they're going to be losing like god like the fact that they've you know they're even continuing on says something I almost like tip my hat to them yeah, I've seen um, Mexican cartels be more kind of polite about trying to destroy someone's business than what and what uh, WWE have tried to do to Andy Quilden at this point. You mentioned mm. about the stardom stuff. They kind of hinted at that because they mentioned the um, Widow Tie and Queen's Quest factions before at the start of the whole empty arena tapings. So mm. it always felt like, oh, he might go down a stardom route. And to be honest, I think it was reported that they've made like over a million in profit. Um, like stardom, like relatively speaking. So you're thinking to yourself, it's a promotion that's very much on the up. It's a different market. Import-wise, it'll be using the, um, as Andy Kildan, he'll be able to use the, um, uh, he'll be able to use his MLW connections, hopefully AEW as well. But then when it comes to British wrestlers, that's where the whole thing kind of falls apart, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's trying to kind of like your local roster who are going to be there week after week. We don't have any of that. Gareth, have yeah. you killed that fly yet? I just I killed it. Video viewers are getting like, Gareth's doing is it, is it meta? Is this like what WWE did to Brit Rez? You're trying to uh, kill the fly. Like, <laughs> you can just see Gareth just literally trying to swap. I've got one in mind as well. I'm trying to kill that. Like, it was weird. All I want to do is run London and the South Coast. No, you must die. <laughs> It is. Oh, it, it is. It is at that point, and it's 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 just because. Also, we come back to the facts, and, and Gareth's gone through the roster. They don't fucking need them. They don't need mm. them, and they're not even like using the people that they have there particularly well. So, well, speaking of the people they've got, um, Gareth, you were at a, a TNT this weekend. I mean. You're going to tell us Brit Red is, uh, is healthy, Brit Red is alive and well. There's plenty of potential and things to be excited about. Um, as we said earlier, yeah, unfortunately, I had a, had a work do, so I uh, I missed this thing. But you were there, Roving Reporter with the uh, with the Ogdens. Uh, how was it? I had a hell of a time. Brit Red is alive, but I know. I don't know what you've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got the live report on the night, so I know your real feelings. But carry on. <laughs> no, it was, it, it was, um, no, it was a, it was a decent show. Like you know, is 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 probably like what I can what I can say about it. It was one of those where it was obviously it was positively tinged by the fact that I was back at a wrestling show for the first time in a year and a half, and I was you know obviously pleased to be going along and like looking forward to it, looking forward to to meeting up with Andy and Jeff and just, yeah, just getting back into that in, in, in environment. And I mean, 
I couldn't tell you how many people were in, were in there. Maybe like 100, 100, 120, maybe something like that. So it was a, it was a That's about right. You know, the last couple of shows I went to, to yeah, be honest, pre pandemic. Yeah, you know, it was a decent, you know, it was a decent sized crowd. There was a good atmosphere. Obviously, Andy was doing his thing and getting the crowd going and everything like that. And the show itself, like it started started really well. It was like a cracker match with Young Guns and. <laughs> young Guns, obviously, um, it was a British show in 2021, <laughs> so the Young Guns were on it, which is it's no bad thing. It's a yeah, we've no, been shouting for it. Exactly, exactly. It's you know, so it was it was good to see them, and they were up against the Kings of North. They were as they're over as as fucking in, in TNT. You know, they always uh, get over well, and that that was um, that was like a, a a really good match. Your favourite son of Derson had a. Um, Good match with uh, Dan Maloney. Like, uh, like that was that was great stuff. As the second match, hate and then the, the... this son of theirs and hater is. It's just I don't think he's great. I don't think he's bad either. He's just all right. You know? He's uh, a wrestler. Like... <laughs> no, he's a, he's a, a big fan of him doing his do, doing the heel stuff in in, in TNT. I, I, I really like that. And then the the third match just before the break was like Alexis Falcon against Livia, Lizzie Evo. And again, that was a dead good match. Like first half of the show, it was three matches there which you know they were all you know top quality solid you know solid matches the you know the crowd was was up for it it was a you know good atmosphere a bit of chanting going on a bit of dueling chants and all that and it was uh you know it was it, it, it was somewhere where it just felt like god oh, god i'm back and this is this is really good and then the uh, the second half of the show was um brought you back down to reality a little bit because um it was uh, didn't quite live up to, to expectations i'm not going to go um I, I won't go through like match by match or anything like that but but yeah when you when you get to your main event and you, your main event is a fucking death match with jack jester bt gun clint majera and fucking um not big guns joe big effing joe like you know it Sounds was good. you know the other one smashing light tubes smashing light tubes on each other like jesus yeah. you know you know that was uh not my not my cup of tea but yeah I'll, I'll be i will be i will be positive about the first half of the show because it was it was really good and it just felt like you know, I, I was really pleased that I went. I really enjoyed those matches. Obviously, in all of them, there was people that I, I really like, with like Lizievo, Son of Derson, and the, the Young Guns, all people that, you know, I'm always positive about seeing. But again, it's people who are at a, you know, a specific level as well, you know, that, that, that you're seeing, seeing there as well. They're all bags of potential. They're all very good for what there is on this, this, this scene currently. But... You know, it's a it's a it's a far cry from you know turning up and watching, you know, a t- you know top global talents going to shows and seeing these seeing these seeing these top end people, um, which mm. you know is is what we're going to be faced with, really, isn't it? Is, isn't it going forward? And it's going to be good to go to these shows and watch the development of these people and watch them improve when they can, if they get the opportunity to work with different people and things like that. But they ain't selling out um, four thousand seats at Wembley anytime soon, are they? You know they're not selling out the, uh, the they're not packing thousands into the hydro uh, anytime soon. You know I think that's the uh, that's the whole point, isn't it? That's the that's the how far cry away that we, that we are really. That you you know you're watching shows and shows in this environment and they're they're good and enjoyable for what they are, but yeah, the 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 scene by comparisons um, tailored straight back. Yeah, and you know, if I didn't have that work thing, I would have been there with you. You know, I had the ticket up until the week before and was looking forward to it until the restrictions hit and it just made it a bit harder to do. But like, you know, that's the thing. You know, I like 
I love the young guns. I'm made up to getting around. You know, we were big proponents of the, you know, the the smaller Big Joe for a while. You know, we were, we were you know, saying as far as I'm like offering something to, to shows undercards and stuff and wanting to see him. You know, I think Dan Maloney's got something there. You know, I'm hard. I've been hard on Son of Derson in the past, I suppose. Uh, at least as my rep, but you know, I know I know he's a talented lad. You know, Lizzie Ebo's got bags of potential. Um, you know, I don't like the gimmick, but Joe Nelson, you know, I, I very much, you know, rate him as a wrestler. I don't think he'd like us Tuesday the way forward for him. But, you know, like Mariah May, you know, I would have been into that deathmatch main event. I'm sure I would have, you know, more than you would. I'm sure JP would if he was there. Um, no. But, you know, based not. on how infinite we was the last time he saw the deathmatch at TNT. But <laughs> the, point, the point is, though, this is down the road from my house. Like TNT run, you know, I can walk there in 10 minutes to this venue. I will walk the 10 minutes for the show. I'll travel into town for the show. I'll consider getting a train to Wigan for this show. I might even go to Stockport for this show. Am I going to London for this? Am I throwing on like a promotions VOD for this? Like, because, you know, Red Pro and Progress shows aren't going to look too different from this going forward. Am I going to be wanting to, you know, see these same matchups and these same combinations in other places? And, I think, you know, you're the same boat, aren't you, Gareth? The answer to that is, is kind of no. It's a fun night, night out, and it sounds like you had a great time. It sounds like TNT put on another, you know, fun show, um, and it makes me want to go back, and I'm looking forward to going back. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't really, you know, change that criticism of the uh, the wider scene, I think, that still underpins any conversation about Brit Res in 2021. And that's like, you know, it's totally the it totally fits the, you know, the argument there, what you're saying there. It is that whole idea of, am I going to go and watch when this is on my doorstep or this is within an hour, how am I going to travel the, the, the length and breadth of the country to see it? And mm. and you're not here because you know you're going to get to see these people in whatever place that you you know is is relatively more local to you, and you can you can pick and choose. And the the, the level of match isn't something that is going to be that that big pull to get anybody anywhere again. And you know you think about the height of the Brit Rest Room, you're tra- traveling all over the place. You know whether you're going to you know, depend on who you were, whether you were going to Scotland or London or you're heading up to Newcastle or wherever, because there's certain matches on with certain people wrestling that you that you really, really wanted to see. And there was a lot of unique matches as well, you know, where you you got to see people, either British people um or wrestlers from all around the world, like mixing mixing up and working in different environments. And that's not going to be the case now, obviously, with with signings that have been made, but also just the revenue that's going to be generated is going to be smaller, so you're not going to be able to afford to have these fly-ins and things like that as you, you did with the past. And even still, the you know the the level of indie lads that are available or people who can be you know work across different promotions as well, they're not necessarily there either as well, really. So you probably are looking at um, you probably are looking at RevPro almost, isn't it? When they're getting New Japan guys over, it's kind of the only instance that you can yeah. that you can see that is going to pull you further than an hour, hour and a half. Unless you're Andy and Jeff, they'll be there. Well, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're the marathon men of the whole thing, aren't they? But mm, it's like say, yeah, oh yeah, god yeah. But it, it, it's that idea of the like where you're going to travel to, and I find it hard to think. I'm the first few shows I'm going to. The, like I've said many times, the wrestling feels kind of incidental. It's more about meeting up with you lads, meeting up with meeting up with mates, going and having the crack. Mm basically mm. rather than like a lot of these shows it's it's going to be difficult there's going to be that initial kind of bump and a little bit of buzz and then it will go down sorry to sound miserable about it and i also think it just comes back to how can these promotions tell stories 
if out of the blue someone's just going to go like that. Mm. I mean, we're burying the lead here, Gareth. I did want to know how are the toilets, mate. Um, yeah, you know, Liam, Liam asked before, like, uh, give us the goss, mate. Toilets, masks, like, paint the picture for us. What was it? Got, <laughs> what was it like I was, returning? I was going to say, I've got, got, got to be honest on the on the toilets uh, chat there. When I was listening to Andy's uh, podcast from the Sunday, and he was burying the toilets there, I was thinking, well, they were uh, they, they were all right at the start of the night. So maybe it was Andy who uh, destroyed the box <laughs> when he went in there, possibly because. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Doing his hands impression again, was it? <laughs> it was, uh, but yeah, it was what was what he was. Uh, it, it's a hanger, isn't it? Kind of thing, you know what to expect when you when you when you're going in there. I think the 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 weirdest thing I think was that we just walked straight in. Like, so this is a, rest- a show that's a restricted show with restricted numbers and things like that. We literally walked to the floor. There was no one on it. We all had our phones out ready to show our tickets and do any like check-ins and things like that. But we literally just walked straight in and just, you know, sat down wherever. And the, um, yeah, it, 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 from, the, from that perspective, it was, uh, it wasn't, um, it wasn't the most uh, regulated, I would, uh, I, I would say. But, but again, you know, I think it was it, um, for uh, for for what it was for the for the experience that it was and things like that. There was that kind of distancing built into the chairs that were outside your rows and things like that. And you know, it was uh, it, it wasn't too bad from from that point of view. I think the main thing for me was that the atmosphere was still there. You still got like. Um, you know, when the when the crowd was up, it still you know it really felt like you were, you were a show. Like I say, Kings and Arthur over like fucking TNT. When they came out, the crowd went absolutely absolutely mad. So it was um, you know it was just it was it was sort of just good to be part of that experience again and in and around that. When when Kid Lycos one came out to do his G- GM role, uh, less so crickets uh, really with that one. So again, it just uh, it just shows how um, it just shows how. Um, I don't know these people who are the stars that are left out on on the scene. Like literally, kid like us came out and he, he, no one made a peep, kind of thing. And you just think, yeah, there you go. This is one of the guys who's he's been positioned as he's, he's been on all his progress taping on you know on the WWE network and all this, and no one give a fuck, you know. So it was uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was just interesting from that point again, just to get those uh, get those in the moment in the moment crowd reactions. But all in all, I'm a I'm very pleased I went. I had, a, I had a cracking time. I enjoyed half the show, and I had a, I had a good uh, good catch up with Andy and Jeff, and uh, enjoyed a good drinking session for the day. And yeah, enjoyed catching up with you, Benno, at the end of the night. There we go. That was the main thing. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say where I worked, then. the Benno's team night out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I was going to say quickly, actually. Like, I mean, you mentioned it, and you know, um, what. Jamaica, because there were a few with the mystery men on this show. There were a few matches where, like the 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 the, the people weren't announced. Was I think um, Dan Maloney was son of doors there's in a surprise, was he? Um, there was a couple like that. On, yeah, he was a bit of discourse match. about that today. He wasn't on the match graphic. He wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, son of Durson wasn't on that. The the tag team opener that was a yeah that was a mystery tag. You know, the, the mystery was the young guns kind of thing. So um, in theory. Uh, it could have gone very, very wrong, depending on who these these mystery people were on the show, and also Jody Flash. Play it was, safe for now. Jo, like, jo, jo, 
Yeah, yeah. Jody Fleisch was supposed to be on the show, and uh, again, I don't know why he he wasn't on there. He was supposed to be taking on Kid Like Us too, and you know, so there's <laughs> a, <laughs> the wife's having a word again. <laughs> exactly. There's a there's, there's there's many reasons why that could be. It was it was good because we got to see um, Leighton Buzzard, who's uh, who's who's decent value, like. But um, but yeah, again, there was three spots on that card where you didn't know who it was who it was going to be, and as and as long as people play it safe in this environment and you know build that element of trust but the first time somebody tries to do one of these mystery um, mystery opponents and it's somebody who you know people you know don't want to be seeing then it's going to be um it's 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 going to that trust's going to go isn't it very quickly and it's going to be interesting to see the reaction in the um in the in in the venue at at, at that particular time but um but yeah thankfully thankfully we got the the right result with those and a couple of my faves as well so uh, there you go can't complain after yeah. I, it'd be remiss of me as well not to give a shout out to one of our uh, good patrons uh, connor who uh, i had a chat with at yes. the show as well and uh, yeah it was a uh, nice nice to meet up with him and um, yeah it was I had, a, I had a good crack with him as well so yeah shout out to connor Good lad. Good lad, Connor. We like Connor. Um, yeah, on on that mystery man thing, like I, I mean, I saw Future Shock get a lot of grief today because they've done that. I mean, I don't know. Their, their, their mystery man is quite clearly advertised as a student. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are students out there that, you know, maybe shouldn't be on shows or whatever. Maybe it'll depend on whether how much you trust the promotion maybe becomes part of it. Um Still wouldn't do it. I think you know. I think now's the time to be upfront. The, the question becomes, though, how do promotions keep that up? Because, like, you know, I know Red Pro have outright said they're going to advertise everyone who's on the show, and I know they were like putting that cockpit card up for next week for those WWE related reasons we had earlier. But I mean, that's a promise you can make. But I wonder whether you know promotions keep to that promise. You know, surprises are a part of wrestling, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not you know. I still I wouldn't do it myself, but I think the temptation to go back to that way of booking is going to come. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to be able to rely on promotions to it. And you know, TNT have done that, and I haven't heard anyone complaining. To be honest, other than the discourse about Future Shock today, I, I doubt anybody that was at the the venue was was complaining. But like you say, it does it does only take that one, doesn't it? And for for That's it to it. be, you know, yeah, it it uh, take that one. Mm. And it goes back to a lot of the conversations that we've had over the last twelve months on here about you know moving on from speaking out, and it does go back to a lot of what we've just, what we've discussed about change can't happen overnight, and you know that you know shows do have to start running, and you know people they can write what they want on a bit of paper or something like that, but at the end of the day, that tr- level of trust and things is something that's gonna gonna build over time, and you know as uh, as long as people are giving you that option to make the decision yourself on whether mm-hmm. you, you know whether you want to pay your money and go to that that show or not, um, the proof of the pudding is going to be in the Ian is the uh, is the uh, phrase yeah. that I've used plenty yeah. of times on here. And if a promotion shows that, that they after three shows, four shows, five shows that they're trying to do things the right way, they're booking certain people, they're giving you the relevant information that you want. They're you, you know they're they're trying to, you know, make those positive changes. It's it's all you can do, really, isn't it? Isn't it at the end of the at the mm-hmm. end of the day? And as long as you, you know, as long as you're um, prepared and you know to 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 give give an element of opportunity for people to, you know, put those things in place and do things properly, 
then you know you, you, you're never going to get seen up and up and running as it is. But then again, as we've seen with 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 some promotions like Progress, obviously with them first shows, you know when you do make a mistake, it's going to affect you. It's going to negatively impact you in terms of the crowd's reaction and um, what um, what you need to think about from 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 that point of view is if people do see that damage, then the incentive is there for them to not you know book these people in the future or change their practices and things like that because you're going to go out of fucking business people aren't going to come and watch you and and, and you know totally. people could have to take that on board yeah the Prussians aren't going to make moral decisions they're going to make business decisions i know that's hard to hear but that's I don't i don't you know my moral compass isn't a wrestling promoter you know but that is the world that we're in and that's the only way they're going to make these decisions and you know good on people for putting pressure on these promotions but also i suppose you have to set those expectations in a in a reasonable place um and yeah uh, there are some promotions that might well earn our trust again and there are some that absolutely aren't gone over but yeah like you say gareth the, the proof is uh is absolutely going to be in the pudding there um suppose we should uh move on then to uh to other pastures there you go brit res got a bit of coverage uh on this podcast yeah. it's like uh, like 2017 uh jp uh that year the people on twitter this week still living um but anywho <laughs> it's still going apparently um but yeah let's uh let's move on and let's talk some uh of the rest of the things we've uh we've been watching um aw um chief among them uh is one that i imagine where we've all watched the this week uh, i was gonna say about aw i think uh, this this show particularly uh unfortunately yeah uh, well unfortunately you know being gareth we're having a, a good few pints in the in the flute in liverpool so i only managed to uh to get back home to uh to watch the main event live i had a fucking nightmare getting a taxi i'm gonna tell you what i ended up uh walking um that half an hour back to mine in the end because uh, no taxi driver no taxi driver wanted the three pound fifty fare they probably had to, uh, to give me a lift so I can't really complain that much but it did mean that I uh, I missed the uh, the last hour of uh, of dialogue that I was trying to get get back to watch but yeah I saw the main event live and then I uh, watched a lot the rest of it uh, the day after and yeah I think the the thing that stuck out to me on this week's show was I felt like I saw one of my, my favorite dynamite segments of the year, imperfect as it was, and you know, followed up by one of my least favorite dynamite segments of the year. And uh, I felt like it was a real good uh, one-two combo this seeing uh, the the great um, Conan segment with Tully Blanchard. Which, when I say great, I think a lot of it was great because it did. It felt real. It felt off the cuff. It felt in a in a few ways it didn't feel particularly well rehearsed. It felt a little bit like a little bit clunky in bits, and you know, Conan felt like he was. Going off uh, off topic a little bit and going off off script a little bit, bringing up that that line about uh, about Tully needing to learn uh, Spanish to speak to his grandkids, which was a, was a great cool. little line. Yeah, it was like he was he was caught. It was a it was a rap basically. It was like it was Tupac doing hit hit him up. That's all. That's Conan style. Um, I loved him in there as like he's basically like being cast as like he's LAX's dad. Which to be fair, in a, in TNA canon, JP, it almost worked. Yeah. He, was, uh, he kind of filled that role in the the greatest TNA. Shout out to Richie. Time. Oh, R.I.P. a piece. <laughs> he needs to do a cameo on a on a, a exactly. um, yeah, LAX and the OGs. What a feud! Um, but yeah, that, I I really enjoyed like that use of him of bringing him in as like this legend. And if if anything, to be honest, it made me think. God, I wish they take you know, I wish they take Santana and Ortiz away from. I wish to be honest, I just wish the inner circle broke up. Uh, I, know, I know not everyone will share that opinion, but I really think like those two lads with with Conan is where the money is. Uh, maybe they'll still do it anyway. Maybe that maybe after this we'll go forward with it. But 
in any event. Yeah, I thought that was a, a money segment. Uh, that was probably my highlight of the show. My low light came after it with a fucking, you know, yeah. Andrade coming out with his mum, uh, which was like the, the great one-two combo of, you know, what you do with, uh, I was going to say legends then, but what, names of the past? Uh, good use of names of the past versus bad use of names of the past. But yeah, I did think uh, that was my highlight of, uh, of Dynamite this week. Don't know about you guys. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, it, it was kind of more of a murder than anything else. Tully just didn't get to fucking say anything. I know. Good on him, professional. You know, he took yeah. that like you know he could he could he could have like no sold it like Edge at one night stand or like been a dickhead about it. And other than literally trying to wrestle the mic out of Conan's hands at one point, he he kind of stood and just take it, took it, didn't he? He knew his role in that segment. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It, it kind of felt like for the first time, like. You know, it, it worked for the heat of the angle. You know, Conan gets the heat on him. Then they do the, the you know, it's a classic wrestling angle. But you know what? I fell for it when they came out as well. Like, that's that's when I, I kind of really enjoyed it for that. And I thought the spike pile driver had enough kind of viciousness. I was, like, surprised that Conan was taken as much as he did. I was like, oh, my God. I know. Like, fucking hell. This guy struggles at war, but they're really kind of laying into him, which was great. And I also, as well, just to throw in, I'd love to see him use LAX. Rather than proud. Oh, right? hearing that music, right. Dave, on Dynamite. Yeah. How cool was that? I was just thinking, LAX is a really great name. It's one of the few things TNA did right, like kind yeah. of despite themselves, was just the general gimmick. They kind of really touched into something. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. And it did what it was meant to do, which is get heat into a feud. And it made me want to see that match, which I'm assuming mm. now we're going to be getting. I don't, I don't want to see it until God. All Out. It's the kind of match you should be it should be like part of that undercard that goes, yeah, like this is a, a match that means something and you've mm-hmm. built to this, even though it's not necessarily for a title. And I kind of like it for that as well. It's It it gives FTR a, a lot, even if Conan's going off topic, rather like me. But afterwards, the Andrade thing, I still can't make sense of what that would, they were trying to do unless it was the idea, like he seemed like he also was like, not only Vicky Guerrero coming out to interrupt Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel, Matt Seidel just walks past. And am I right? I think they just went to the match. And that was yeah, it. Well, Vicky Guerrero oh, had four more segments shit. to do that night. So, you know, she's a busy girl. You know, they have to, uh, they have to get her ready for uh, her other promo later that night. She's <laughs> oh, wrestling you, next week, isn't she? You, you just, you oh, just she wanted... is as well. <laughs> In that, surely in that segment there, Andrade is like, what the fuck are you doing interrupting my time? Bang. And he should be absolutely battering Matt Seidel as he comes out there. And like, Oh, they're getting him know, this wrong? No, I just let, let him casually walk past and, you know, just, oh, I'll go on then. You just steal my big announcement and go and have your match kind of thing because, uh, you know, we, just, we we try to steal yours. But go on then, I'll be nice and, and let you just have your match and we won't do our announcement after all. It just looked as lame as fuck. I was thinking... It's Miro again. It's Miro again. You know, like they are, they're going to stick the course with this. And it's a positive, don't get me wrong, a wrestling company going, no, we're going to give it a chance. For most things, we're going to give it a few weeks. We're going to give it a few months. We're just going to have to live through the the two and a half months we live through with Miro until eventually they're going to go, yeah, actually, this Vicky thing doesn't work. Yeah, actually, we got the Andrade. They take a few wrong. I just, I hope the damage they did to it doesn't, you know, doesn't last because it was, you know, as Chris said, and in the chat they're just incredibly bad like and, and they were clearly clearly trying to make you anticipate okay well what is this announcement going to be next week on 
but he'll do the announcement next week now instead kind of thing and make you be kind of looking forward to that on a Wednesday but it just it just felt lame and I was just like mm. it's kind of just took the the shine off the idea that there is an announcement to be made here kind of thing which uh which yeah have you heard the rumor of what it is the announcement no internet man rovet says tommy bellend's coming in I don't know if they're going to get that right. I thought they excitement, though. They're going to bring him in as a Twitch streamer as well, aren't they? Or some sort of like QAnon lad or something. And it'll just be like, what is this nonsense? Ah, is that why Andrade had a purple suit on? Oh, go. God. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's the law. The law of Alistair Black. The worst thing is, I, I, think, I, I just think they've got every aspect of this wrong. Like, I mean, even the sit-down interview they built up wasn't that great, really. Oh, I like that, to be fair. I'll give him credit on that one. I thought it was good. Do you not like it? I kind of would have just had him speaking in Spanish with subtitles Mm. rather than, like, kind of making him speak in broken English, where I don't see what you necessarily gain by that, whereas subtitles did the job absolutely perfectly. And there's no reason why he wouldn't get over regardless. It's also the fact as well that, on August 14th, he's going to be wrestling Omega for the AAA Championship at tri- Mania. okay? And I was just thinking to myself, there's a really simple storyline where he beats Kenny for that title and wins it, and it sets him up for an AEW Championship slot. So why don't you hang fire till that? Because I don't know what any of this is meant to achieve. He's this big success story, but he's with Vicky Guerrero. Like, it's... But the character just doesn't know what he is. And the Matt Seidel thing was just like a disaster. It's worse than WWE, this. Like, mm. it really is. This is just like, this is this is TNA stuff we're really talking about. And I'm not even sure TNA would do stuff necessarily this badly. They haven't come out and just do some shitty shoot promo. We've not even had that. Mm. Like, it, it's just been bad all. It's just, it's just very, very bad and incredibly disappointing. And that's the maddening thing about this, is you know AEW know better. At least Tommy and I'll get here his new theme through a proper VA and those computer speakers. <laughs> there you go. Got that to look forward to. <laughs> I think I think on that point though, about like what you're saying there about them them knowing better, like it, it like you know, Benno bringing this up really is the first point. It going from one extreme to the other, really, with that Conan segment to to go into this. Like that Conan segment was done so right, and it's you know for that Santana Ortiz against FTR feud. Like last week, we talked about they did like a great video package and things leading up to that, and like that's something where I can't wait to see that match. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an absolute cracker, and then they're just like working along, you know, building it up. In in such a good such a good way, and then in the next breath, like this happens, and you think like, how can this you know the same person be involved in that? That's involved in that. It doesn't uh, it doesn't make doesn't make sense, does it? No, it's not. I mean, I suppose the other um, big highlight of uh, of Dynamite, uh, yeah, was the the big main event as mentioned there, mm-hmm. Kenny Omega and uh, and Jungle Boy, you know. The result you'd expect, um, you know, Jungle Boy got to look good. Kenny went over strong, you know, Ke- you know Kenny and Ring, you'll never hear me complain about. Kenny in the build to his matches, you will very much hear me complain about. But, you know, match itself, very good main event. I went 3.75 on it on Grapple. Um, 
Maybe. Little where where you guys want a similar similar rate. Yeah, yeah, three point seven five for me. It was, it was, uh, it was yeah, really, really good, really enjoyable TV yeah. match, and you know, mm-hmm. it was, it was one of them where as much as I knew one hundred percent that there was no way Omega was losing, like the where they had a couple of those like two point nine nine kickouts um, oh, with yeah. uh, you, you know, you know, they really got me. as well. Yeah, no, no, I should say. Watch it in the car. Too busy talking about cricket. Yeah, rugby league. Sorry, same to me. I wouldn't be talking about cricket. But it was one of those where, because the crowd clearly were engaged, and the crowd, and and again, it was one of these things of the advantage of the crowd being back because the crowd like were biting on a couple of those near falls as well. It that took me with it, like with the crowd when I was watching it, even though logically I knew there was no way. You know, Jungle Boys walking away from that with the with, with the belt, and, and and I think it just really sort of showed the value of this. And again, it was one of the one of the things that you know you just get excited for this. Some of these big matches that they've got coming down the line, and then being in front of um, you know proper crowds in different places who haven't seen not just haven't seen AEW live for a while, they haven't seen wrestling live for a while, and again, just getting people in that environment where they're going to be just absolutely buzzing and and, and right up for it. It's um, it's you know it's something that, that that just got me kind of excited towards the the the, the end of that end of that match there and you know I think it was say we've all given three point seven five there you know on the app I think it was averaging out at just over four here it's like four point one three at the at the minute so again it's another it's another four star um, the Omega bias as Chris calls it. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was going to say. Well, maybe there is that element of bias because I think the first mm. resi- first results um, that that came through on the app that I saw, yeah, were definitely in that you know four point two five plus plus range from people. Whether that was people just watching it as the, you know they'd watched it watched it very close and seeing there. But again, it's it's another four star plus you know TV match, AEW TV match. Which um, again, it's mm. um, you, you know something that we've said consistently. How often have you? Before AEW, how often have you had four star plus matches just happening on weekly, you know, US television? You know, not often at all. You know, I've gone back and pulled the numbers to to demonstrate that it, you know, it doesn't happen. So again, you know, proper whether it's a three point seven five or it's a four point one three, it's a you know top top level TV match that um, that that you weren't you're not getting on the other channel. Yeah, if uh, Chris, if Chris wants to see an Omega bias, by the way, wait till Leeds ever comes out later this week. JP will cover it on the weekend show. Four and a half star minimum. Probably seven five, probably. I I <laughs> thought it was a very good, very good professional wrestling match. It had like I thought even that early interference stuff was done quite well. Like I, you know, them paying for that theme tune is going to pay off down the road. That's part of it. it. It feels like his act when he comes out with that song, it's just an easy like kind of play along thing they do and the guy has that kind of innate natural charisma to him so it, it kind of it worked for those reasons and it was fine what i'll say didn't work was all the oh, weirdness of post-match yeah. like, this non- when it ended up with christian cage and matt hardy and i'm like what what's happened that why closing a tv it? show in 2021 talk about like Again, contrast in it, JP. Like contrast that Conan segment with the Vicky segment. And this is another one in it. Great match. Why are we following up with this? And exactly, didn't need to have the beat down stuff. You could have had Kenny celebrating, winning, leaving. Jungle Boy gets a good standing ovation. They kind of go off, and and then you left with like, keep an eye on this guy. He came up short, but he's going to be really good. 
bit like when Stephen Hendry lost to Willie Thorne in very close in the opening round of the World Snooker Championship. Just like ten seven. Basically, you, you knew Hendry was good though. Same thing with those Sullivan early doors. <laughs> a Even I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to say, like on Christian though, like Christian and Kenny Omega. To be honest, it's not a match that particularly offends me anymore. I think it was something about when it felt like Christian was coming right in and getting a title shot. And you know, to be fair, something they didn't do it. You know, um, I was fooled like a like a lot of people on that. Absolutely, do that match on TV. I think that's actually fair enough. I think it's just the optics of Matt Hardy being out there as well that kills it. Like, if this was just Christian as, like, the because sh- that's what I thought was happening. He is, like, the shadow behind Jungle Boy, isn't he? That, you know, he's being all nicey-nicey and being his little mentor, and clearly at some point he's going to he's gonna turn on Jungle Boy. Like, I think that's a fine enough story to tell. You know, even Christine coming out here and maybe taking a bit of the limelight from Jungle Boy, I think would have been mm. a good story to tell. It's just when you've got the fucking bloated corpse of Matt Hardy out there as well that makes it feel like it's, you know, an early 2000s smackdown. Um, I just don't want to see him near any of this stuff, really. And it just it see, brings I... back the wrong way I want to look at Christian rather than like, okay, here's this veteran who's going to have a one-off with Kenny. Here's this veteran who's going to work with Jungle Boy and, you know, absolutely get Jungle Boy, you know, more prepared for a proper main event role, at, you know, at some point in the future. They're the optics you want. Matt Hardy, the optics you don't. Yeah, and, and as well with this is, it just felt like bloated as well because it was like, yeah, you know, suddenly it's, oh, he's, he's you know, Matt Hardy. He's, he's private party he's the young bucks you know he's christian kind of because you know suddenly you're looking at it and it was like there was suddenly like 10 people or whatever just involved in in that particular segment and there was almost like a few times during the show i thought where suddenly you were just kind of like waiting for who's coming out next kind of whether it was before the match or after the match there was just a couple of instances where it just felt like they're trying to shoehorn and cross kind of the elements to just try and get as as many um, people you know people out there like at, at this point up to the show when I just like watched it right in one go it was it was you know I was kind of like reflecting on the show as a whole I felt like I'd seen so much stuff and I think that's been one of their problems in recent weeks as I've been in this holding pattern they've just tried to get a lot of faces out there on TV and get people screen time and a lot of it has been relatively meaningless or maybe relative you know not that necessary and i think one of the things that you know we've praised them in the past is them getting you know breaking up the little segments and getting people you know out there making sure that there's that small element of screen time that moves moves things on or establishes a a feud a bit better or a character a bit better or something like that whereas on on this show and these the, the last two shows that have you know, as it's moved away from the Wednesday, it just felt like it's almost just fallen into this formulaic thing of where you you kind of a bit like, okay, now we know that there's going to be an in-ring interview with Tony Schiavone and then we'll go to the break and somebody will be cutting a promo backstage and then it'll go to a pre-tape. And and there's just... Yeah, yeah, it's almost like it's, it, it's like I say, just that holding pattern really almost of just... Mm. just keeping things on the back burner a bit till they get away get away from these weekend slots and just get back to their to their their yeah. proper time a bit and up until the main event which you know enjoy to that level you know the conan segment was good but there wasn't a lot beyond that to be honest that had me 
thinking like, oh yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was, you know, that was up there with what I, I expect from Dynamite. I think it continued this pattern of just been a bit of a eh, run of the mill show with like maybe just one or two things that you were into rather than necessarily hitting the heights that it was uh, eight weeks ago or, or, or something along those lines. And um, yeah, I think they're, they're definitely better when they're working towards something that's a bit a bit closer and they've actually got a bit more kind of like direction and urgency about what they're trying to do. That's the problem, yeah. isn't it? The pay-per-view is not until early September. So, like, they're doing mm. the road rager stuff and the kind of TV Weird, specials. And, yeah. They've replaced the pay-per-view with, like, the building to a lot. Like, this is the, like, you know, you're not supposed to, like, complain about there being too many people on screen, Gareth. You know, there's only positives for that. We're not supposed to complain about, you know, AW building up future shows because there's only positives to that. There are some negatives, too, though, like, to this stuff because, like, that's a great example. Like, how many graphics did we have on screen for different shows coming up? Like, I'm don't get me wrong, do it. Advertise your shows in advance. I can't tell you what's on this Wednesday. What's on Road Rage? What's on? Is it Fight for the Fall or a Fighter Fest or Beach Break or something coming up? Like part one and two. I don't know what's on that show right now. I'm very, the New York shows are part of a like, Grand Slam tour, is it? Yeah. They're saying also like, well, yeah, like what? It's almost like the the best thing to get out this bubble of this month. Which has been drab, you know. And I, I, I probably would rate the show a little bit higher than you guys because I enjoyed the Powerhouse Hobbs opener. Maybe you know, not quite to the level of the other two big segments on the show, but those three temple segments on the show brought this well above, you know, the average of the last month for me. And um, not that I think you particularly disagree with that, but like, you know, it does feel like the company are, are desperately just like, okay, we're out of this funk now. All right, fucking advertise this date, that date. To be fair, they got venues to fill, haven't they? That's the other thing. You know, you can't, this isn't the days of like, you know, run local advertising for that, for that venue, run local advertising for that venue. You've just got to advertise it all at once. And that's commendable and there are positives to that. But there is a negative to that where I actually don't know where they're coming or going. Is Vicky Guerrero, is it this Wednesday, that match? What I don't know what the big main event is coming up this Wednesday. Isn't there a big main event coming up this Sammy Wednesday? Sammy Guevara, MJF. That's that. Be fair, yeah, you know, that's coming up Wednesday. But then, yeah, you say, there is all these other dates where things are happening where I suppose it's a necessary evil with, like, the, the you know, wanting to, to fill seats. But I can't say as a viewer, you know, on balance, it's not a little bit confusing as well. Mm. It is it is confusing, and I, I find it confusing because as well in the back of all of this, you know there's a pay-per-view they're building to because if you're a fan, that's you kind of know that mm. they're the, the kind of bigger meta directions that they're going in. Mm. And there's also, for a variety of reasons, there's a few people off. So, like, I mean, Cody and Moxley being off on paternity leave and stuff like that. And, you know, there's there's various other, other kind of things like that going on. But it, we have been in a holding pattern. I was going to give a mm. shout-out to Dante Martin. Mm-hmm. who is only 20, and I went 3.25 in that match with Matt Seidel, who I have to say, I think he has some quite good TV matches that are quite fun to watch with Matt Seidel, generally. That's just me. Um, I think you've seen a bit more motivation from him. But Dante Martin is someone, like, this is down the road. Like, this is after a long tag team career with his brother and the rest of it. Good, really good underdog baby faces. It appears to be if they've got a a crop of youngsters, they've got some, they've they've got good baby faces, and that's something that WWE don't have, which is which is quite incredible, really, when you think about it. Yeah, they are a company that knows how, knows how to build some baby faces up. I think yep. you're on mute, Benno. 
There I am. I'm mute. Sorry. There you go. I just agree. That was true. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I mean, again, you know, positives and negatives to that. At least, the, but at least there's things to look forward to. At least we're out of it. Wednesday, you know, they're on again on Wednesday coming up this week. You know, um, as was going on in the chat where we're getting towards our Cody QT Marshall, um, you know, big blow off match. That's coming up too. That's a look forward to. Um, you know, there's positives and negatives, but overall, I am glad. Yeah, we're back on Wednesdays. My week's just going to feel better. Like genuinely, like I said this to you, JP, just like, yeah. especially in lockdown, having that 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 show on a Wednesday night was just perfect. You know, I know everyone stays up late for it, but I would. And it was just a great way to break up the week. Even if you watch it on Thursday, it's a great way to break up the week. I've missed it in my life. I've missed having a, a must-watch Dynamite because these weekend shows, maybe this one aside a little bit, I felt like a... I'll have to watch it before Spotlight and I'm just throwing it on on Monday and getting through it, you know, before before we get in. There's still positives to talk about, but, you know, I'm glad to be excitedly staying up late on a Wednesday or at worst, getting up early on a Thursday again for Dynamite because, yeah, it's probably been the best thing in wrestling right now, um, at least up until this month. And I'll be glad, yeah, big crowds, you know, bit of, bit of buzz around the promotion again. I'll just be be glad to be uh, on that boat on that boat again. And yeah, how cool is it going to be as well, JP, to see, you know, for that, as we talked about on the weekend show, you know, some of these shows are selling well, 4,000 people yeah. in some of these venues again. Like, almost forgot what that felt like to see an alternative to the new on TV show. doing their numbers. A lot of the people had their tickets from before and they didn't return them, so they've already got like 10,000 there for that. No one. way. I think, yeah, yeah. I think fucking that's, that's hell. One the, the Newark one. Um, that's so cool. And like, I think Remember that feeling people... when Dynamite first started? Like when you were watching those busy pack shows? Like it was so cool. Yeah. Sorry, Jeffy. And I am so fascinated by how that Arthur Ashe Stadium show oh, is going to look because I've just mm. got a feeling that the sight lines are going to be absolutely incredible. Just like you, you, you. You hear of people and you know who, as New Yorkers, going to to kind of like Flushing Meadows that time of once a year. That thing, I've never been to Wimbledon. It's not my bag necessarily, but I think for something like a, a venue like that, they'll look kind of unique as well and have a real different feel to it than anything else. I'm really looking forward to that, and I hope these shows sell because, like I say, they need the market research. Sorry to go all Gareth on this, but like it does like, and this is their best form of market research, going out to crowds, different places. You'll know what works and what doesn't. And then I think at that point, it gives them the chance to kind of go, okay, we'll need to adjust some, a few things for future directions. Because they will, they, unlike the company we talked about at the start. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have faith that they will do like, mm. but they kind of need to get people in other cities to shit on the Vicky Guerrero stuff before they actually True. do something about it. Maybe. Mm. No, they'll just say that's heat, mate. Um, that's, that's the problem with that game, unfortunately. But hey, what are you going to do? Can't win them all. Um, but yeah, I think that that's it for uh, for AEW chat. So we uh, we move on to uh, everything else we've been watching. And yeah, seems to be a, a lot of content from Japan, or at least Japanese mm-hmm. promotions. Uh, you know, JP, you, you mentioned uh, before we started, you caught uh, New Japan Strong this week. Give a, give a shout out to them. We're definitely not talking the fucking Kazuna Road shows. And we didn't even bother to review them on Friday, Mate. I noticed. Like, who They're cares? All, like, day 13 or something, now, nine. Yeah. yeah. All tight. I just look at them, it's like, absolutely not. Well, no part mm. of it. Have either of you lads watched New Japan Strong this week? That's no, I, yeah. I feel bad when I don't watch it because I do enjoy it. That's a show, as we talked about, JP, that like, you know they're coming back to crowds in um in yeah. August time. You know with that big big, big US show, and then they're they're going to be taping after that. I can't even right. imagine New Japan strong with crowds at this point. I don't know how big the crowds are going to be. To be fair, but uh, I, feel like, I feel like I feel like once they're in front of crowds, I'll be watching it. Oh, as expensive uh, is it? 
that's yeah. the same that's the same as me like when i heard you saying on the show it was it on your weekend show or was it on the weekend or yeah, was it on your daily yeah. update where you were saying about you know them coming back to crowds i was thinking that's when i'll jump on board because i just can't i can't be having this like empty arena in new japan strong but as soon as the crowds crowds come back i'll be that that one i'll be getting on my list but mm. probably try and do a bit of a catch up at that point as well because i know there has been a few matches uh, especially around that top yeah. end title thing lately that look like they've been good either based on the the app feedback or on your feedback from ujp so yeah for for now i'll i'll wait i'll keep my powder dry it's become part of my habit on a Saturday morning because it just, mm. it's, it's generally easy to watch. Like once, like, so for this, I thought on this one, this is one of the better episodes. I thought all three matches had something. I was above three on all of them. I think I went, I might have gone was it three and a half or 3.75 for the, for the main event. Um, and these are all in empty arena settings. Uh, I'll just have a look now while I'm doing that. Um, oh, sorry, oh, the, main, the, the main event was uh, Tom Lawler defending the open, uh, the strong title, strong open weight title, or never strong title. Fuck knows with their weird branding. Um, but basically, they had um, another good Tom Lawler match. Who in this setting and in this environment is is great. He's the right side of comedy, so he comes out and JL Kratos is back. His theme tune is fucking great. I might add that as well. Like he's finally seems to be like he's retired from MMA, as we were kind of discussing at the weekend. Um, mm. Like, are the Carl Fredericks look good? I don't, not the thing that he was kind of being so hyped up to be, but then I also wonder what happens when you take him to Japan, Mm. which is really where you come out of this show going, okay, how many of the, how many of these wrestlers could be in Japan? And you kind of think to yourself, if you wanted to freshen up the cards there, there's a lot of people that they can go to. For example, they had Clark Connors, Rocky Romero, and Clark Connors going over in the opener. And I thought he's—I think he's been—he's one of the highlights of Strong because mm. he's just complete manic energy and he's aggressive. And I just think I don't know any other juniors in New Japan who are doing that. Throw him in there; he's a completely fresh face. He's one of their guys that they've trained, so he's going to go in there with a certain level of kind of credibility already behind him. Then. They had, um, was it Kevin Knight and the DKC, who are effectively two of the LA Dojas, but up against, Dojo guys, up against Fred Yehi and we, uh, Wheeler Utah. So you're thinking to yourself, why not have Wheeler Utah and Fred Yehi in the junior tag division if you still see a need for that to exist? There's a fresh team. And Yehi's been good on every match on here as well. Wheeler Utah's got a match on Dark Elevation, I think, tonight as well at the same time. And I swear to God, like, like so, I'm watching that and I'm going. They could work there. Tom Lawler, I think, would would work there. Like, and these are all people that they kind of developed through this show, which I was very cynical about the part of it. And there's been a large swathe of it that if you didn't watch it, you really miss nothing. But it just feels that they've been able to expand that roster enough. They tell some stories like Adrian Quest and Barrett Brown that I could give less of a shit about if I'm going to be honest mm. about it. But for the most part. It's really entertaining. They've got people like Brody King there on the back burner as well. When you look at that roster they've got for that show, you think that's a good roster. It's it's not a roster to kind of use for a five thousand seat building, and that really depends or five thousand outdoor venue, or I think that's the capacity they can go to. But it's interesting, and mm. I think there's a lot to be said for this. As like, I don't think you're going to get 
a lot of you're not really going to get much above four because there is a kind of ceiling to this. And Alex Kozlov will do his best to absolutely drag the whole thing down in the meantime. But every week I watch it and every week I'm entertained and I keep on going, yeah, this is the best thing that they're producing at the moment. So, yeah. That's I'm more interested in anything going on. Like, Kazuna Road just pop, pops up on, like, watch wrestling every now and then. Like, I was in another show. Is that, like, yeah, cool. Oh, I completely forgot. Chris mentioned there as well. They're setting up Kojima versus Tom Lawler. And Kojima is the next challenger. Yeah. Which will might happen on that event. But that Mm. again, when you see that kind of stuff happen, it feels like a tryout for him to go to Japan. And they've put a lot on him for this. And you Mm. know that he is the kind of person because as hardcore wrestling fans, we're all predisposed to like Tom Lawler. When he was doing like the entrances as the shockmaster and the rest of it. And he's the fact meeting him, he's really good guy and a really good wrestler. And like you want him to get that level of stardom, and I think mm-hmm. like New Japan, he, he straddles that line between comedy and UFC a lot better, and it's a lot more delicately than I think we ever give him credit for. Because even mm-hmm. as wacky as he is, when he's in the ring and he's doing all of his submissions and his reversals and his counters, you're completely with him. It's completely believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he sticks around for like those US shows. I mean, I assume he's flew back already, or whether they bring him back again for him. Like, the, the, I mean, the, the big, I mean, the big US pay per view they got coming up. Like, Jay White's all over them posters as well. I feel like he's staying in the US. I think they're going to throw a lot behind that big show, to be honest, and try and make it in inroads. It was, it was, it was always a big priority in New Japan, wasn't it, to to make inroads in the US? We forget that you know these shows. Yes, they exist to to give the lads in the US dojo something to do, and you know to to look at US talent and stuff. But part of the idea, whether it's a, an effective strategy or not, is to have a heavy presence in the US, isn't it? So like you know we'll be back coming back to a big show like that and. It'd be interesting to see yeah, exactly how much effort you know New Japan put into it, and yeah, who winds up on those shows. And I tell, I tell you what, there was that like, it might not have been the original intention, but with where New Japan in Japan is now currently, like as JP says, there just that freshening up of some of those divisions that we've talked about, like crying out for just needing a new face, a new few faces, and things like that. If they if they then do use it for that, where you've got lads going over there, and you know you know, good lads going in there and making an impact and they're not people that you're, you, you know, you're not used to seeing over there as well. It's just going to make New Japan feel a bit fresher as well and put on some, you know, different matchups when suddenly they're mixing with guys who've been on the, mm-hmm. the main roster over there and just putting on a few un- unique matches um, then because, you know, they need a shot in the arm from somewhere. And I think any uh, help that these lads can give to the, mid-card to um, just make things a bit more fresher and interesting uh, desperately needed like definitely definitely um and yeah as uh, as liam said in the chat there yeah rev pro could there uh, could do with that as well you know get some of those new japan dads over here who aren't uh, who aren't getting utilized like like a kojima and, and give them something to do here so i think that would be a very interesting too but um before we move on, by the way, can you hear my neighbours having a party? Because there's fucking there's a lot of noise going on over my head. No, <laughs> I also just realised as well there uh, before video reviews. I know I disappeared, so uh, I went to the healthy takeaway tonight and I had a burrito and I had some leftover crunchy broccoli and I was tucking it tucking into it before and then I realised while I'd muted myself on the video stream, the audio recording is going to be filled with me munching on fucking broccoli. <laughs> I've created a big old editing job for me. If you can't hear it, audio listeners, I did a good job. Um, sorry about that. Um, 
<laughs> I'm impressed, mate. Good with you. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. I just went um, on off screen. I was actually sending my trying to get my sons to go to bed. I was like, <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> That's all you need to do, mate. Just threaten them. Yeah. It works. Um, Gareth's killer flyers, you're threatening the kids, you know, got neighbors having parties, all kinds going on tonight. Um, but no, we should uh, should move on. Did, did did anybody catch all Japan? I know we all saw the uh, the main of the uh, the Noah show, but did you did you did you watch all three matches of the Ram Robins yeah. series or just the main? Oh, right. So I watched the last round robin match and mm-hmm. I kind of skipped through the Kento Miyahara one, but I did see a most- round robin. Yeah, it's a good it, idea. More promotion should do it. Well, I I was very I'm very kind of mixed on this one basically because I think anything that kind of resembles like what would you do in a real sports situation, I'm mm. all right with. And around robin to decide like people who are tied in a league is done in other leagues, not here. But like that isn't something that's a completely alien prospect that you'd have a playoff or something along those lines. I think the issue is here is the way that they structured it. Because they started off, like, the idea was is that they would all wrestle each other once and the person who won two straight matches would be the overall winner and be the triple crown champion. Um, and I have to say as well, like, for this, have you guys, either of you watched any of this All Japan show at all? No. Okay. It's not in Corican. So it's in, I think it's an Ottawa's Gymnasium, which is slightly bigger, which made them seem more big time. Because I think that's the pro- part of the problem with All Japan is... A lot of times you're going to see them, it's always in Corican. All the big shows tend to be in Corican. So they've not had that many kind of like shows that feel like they kind of are able to draw other than kind of real nostalgia events and the rest of it. So this one felt a bit bigger. They did a good video package in front of it, but they started off with Yuma Aoyagi and Kento Miyahara. And realistically, it was either, it was it always to me, was always going to be Jake Lee. That seemed like the, the only direction they were going to go in. They had him win the Champions Carnival. But they had Kento win, and then they had immediately his match with Jake Lee, where in that match, it's just like Jake Lee kind of toying with him until Kento fires up a bit, but then Jake Lee ends up winning. So, like, it didn't, it wasn't like a kind of one on one contest battle of wills. You kind of had something that was kind of like almost leading on from an angle, the first one of him being too worn down by a very good match against Yuma Aoyagi, who is good. Um, I don't know how good his brother is, but like he's he is always he's one of those, but he's not on their level of of really of what they want Jake Lee to be and what Kento Miyahara is. So in that way, it then went to Jake Lee versus Yuma Aoyagi, and that it just never felt in doubt, and the crowd didn't really react. That's the other thing as well. So like even though you know Jake Lee is a bit more aggressive because he's a heel, like they didn't really react for me. And I, and whereas for the junior match, and I do want to mention Francisco Akira, one of the guys, I know James, he was saying like, you know, good lad for going out there and going to Japan and everything else. He was over with that crowd. But I, yeah, this just, I mean, admittedly, I've kind of rushed them this evening, but like, it just didn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. Like I think the first of them, three matches are the best, but the idea of it's fine, but if they'd had him against Yuma Aoyagi second, then Kenta would have had some time to rest. Jake Lee would have been tired, and then you could have a bit more of an interesting match, if you know what I mean. It would have been a bit more even and a bit more of a um, even contest. But yeah, 
I I was going to go on the app and I was like three and a half for me. So mm. like if you don't see it, I wouldn't really worry about it. Whereas I would say, watch the junior title match between uh, Koji Iwamoto and Francesco Akira, the Italian guy who has been all over social media with his family who are out there in Japan. And the guy speaks fluent, like Japanese. Like he was in that um, All Japan Dojo documentary. I don't know if either of you watched. The one that had no. like kind of English subtitles. Really no. good. He's a proper underdog baby face. First European to hold the, the junior title. So that's a really good... I, I gave that 3.75. I thought that was like a, a, a really good match, kind of fierce junior match, 15 minutes. And he's someone like, if you can get him over in Europe for a month, I don't think he'll be necessarily like kind of bedazzle you. I wouldn't go there expecting kind of loads of flashiness necessarily. But what you will get is somebody who is trained as a very good wrestler and clearly is diligent and takes it seriously and is committed to it. And if you can get him over, I was I was thinking watching this going, he'd be a great fit for WXW, like that kind of a promotion. I think they'd know how to use him. Um, but yeah, so that's all Japan. Fair enough. Well, yeah, we'll move it on over to uh, to Noah. And yeah, this is uh, something we all saw. I think we none of us bothered with the uh, the Muta, the Wild Show, did we? Uh, after I saw the gifts of that, uh, no. that Muta made out with the well, with uh, Kano's leg on fire or whatever the fuck was going on there. Um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I was glad that wasn't the show that uh, that you guys were uh, were wanting to talk about today. And year and a half left in his contract. Year and oh, a half, mate. mate. <laughs> they kind of. How are they going to fill that time? It feels like um, we're in Arsenal. It's just like, oh, yeah. no. Two <laughs> years. It's a good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, over over the uh, the night before, I think it was, the uh, the Cage War show, uh, I think we all saw the uh, the Steel Cage match. Uh, I caught it just before we uh, we came on live, so I didn't get to uh, to see the, uh, the the payoff to the, the hair versus hair, so you can fill me on on that. But as, as a match goes, I'll tell you what, this was something I, I thought it started slow. And I was kind of thinking, ah, what's JD pulled me into watching it again here? But as the up the violence, you know, there was blood, there was it felt physical without being feeling hokey, you know what I mean? It wasn't like they were using too many shortcuts, it felt unique, you know, a, a cage match in Japan. Um, there were a couple of you know good spots in it, most notably that miss sent on off the uh, off the top, which whew, looked looked brutal as fuck. There were some horrible looking headbutts in this oh. thing, and I mean, all you can ask for a big cage match, and this kind of goes to our, what our complaint was about the uh, the AEW Blood and Guts matches. You just want some violence, don't you? You don't want bullshit. You just want violence. You want two fellows who legitimately want to hate each other. And I felt like that. This delivered it in spades. It, I went in relatively blind, not really knowing you know too much of the background as to why this was a big grudge match. And you know, I came out of it knowing these two fellows fucking hated each other. And yeah, felt like they left everything in the cage. I really enjoyed this one. I've had a cursory scan of grapple. I think my, my rating might be a little bit lower than you guys, but yeah, still really enjoyed it when 3.75 on the app and it's clearly uh, trending even higher than that at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'll be one of the ones dragging it up then because like I went 4.25 on this and mm. like, uh, again, I really enjoy, enjoyed it. Obviously, uh, you know, it's been a Something you know I've talked about is me uh, just getting increasingly into Noah over the last uh, eighteen months or so, and you know these are just two like two of my favourite lads, and then I was this is probably the match that I was been most excited about watching for the last uh, 
last fortnight really was uh, was was watching this and it really delivered for me. I mean, it's averaging out at three point eight five on the app, so it's probably closer to your territory there, Benno, than uh, than 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 mine. But yeah, for for, for me, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it, it, like the same as you, I thought it started slow, and when there was, um, I mean. Something I liked was I really felt like they built the tension really well pre-match. I think that was something that just came across really strong. And then oh, yeah. when... Um, all the lads coming out in the track seats and stuff. Yeah, so great. And, 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 and something that really just worked. <laughs> because there was no crowd, I loved... Um, I love when like Keno was like look it was locking the door and you could really hear like the clinking of the of, of the metal and you could see a sort of like the pinging of the metal as he changed stuff and the mm. door was creaking and things and it it just kind of made it just feel like a little bit more menacing or something like that. The the, the atmosphere that was there, it, it was one of, it was an odd situation of an, an empty arena actually kind of feeling like it added to a situation. But when it then started and then went into like that early grappling exchange, and then there was like a rope break and stuff. I was thinking, come on, this is like cage match. Death. <laughs> you know, it's it's been like cage war, death match. This has been like um, advertised that, and I was I was a bit like, mm-hmm. oh, come on, I, I want to see a bit more like aggression and hate you. I want you to be fucking tearing into each other from the from the off a bit more. But I think once they, you know, once they got over that first five minutes, I think it was uh, when like Nakajima was the first one to start using the cage and like. Again, because the cage itself wasn't as like it wasn't a American style cage, it, it it almost looked a bit more like dangerous. Like it maybe like wasn't mm, assembled. It, to, it wasn't as a, it wasn't assembled together as well, and things like that. <laughs> and it wasn't quite you know it wasn't like real thick, strong steel, and it was almost like equivalent to an old like NWA cage or something like that from the from the eighties that it that, that it, it looks a bit more like. So when the um, kitten A was getting fucking bounced into them ropes, and then when like Nakajima was gouging his face down the uh, side of the cage, it just really. I don't know, it, it looked a bit more brutal. And, you know, that's when you then, like, obviously you followed up with those, you know, the big spots that you, like, you mentioned there. Obviously, there was a missed sent on from the top, but then you had, like, Nakajima hit that missile drop kick from the oh, from the yeah. top as well that was that was cool. And then, you obviously... Was Probably like, could have just escaped, but, you know, <laughs> cage matches, cage matches, <laughs> you know. Do, 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 doing his little look up to the drone, though, as well. That was... That was, that was that's fucking drone. Like, you can't, the noise you can't, of that thing. Oh, you can't beat like, uh, like you know Nakajima for just for that, just them little grins kind of thing that he that, that he does. But like you say, once it then the physicality just kept stepping up and stepping up in them them headbutts like the noise of them. They were just like absolutely sickening, weren't they? And but fucking great, absolutely. You know, like you know, if we're not bothered about. Um, if we're not bothered about people's brains in the future, <laughs> then you know, you know, I'll they, uh, oh god, <laughs> they, they, they were brutal, and I was, I was, I was loving every every second of it. And then, CT whatever, oh. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then obviously, like throughout, you know, amazing, like the, you know, as always, Nakajima's kicks, and and again, this was another part where I think the empty arena really like played for the advantage because you got the noise on those kicks, but then there was one where he. He absolutely leathered Kitamiya and he face planted him. And then when he was down on the floor, he like kicked him in the stomach when he was grounded. And Kitamiya just let out this like real like guttural cry kind of thing that you wouldn't have heard like again with a with, with a crowd um, coming through. So again, it just really got over that. Um, I don't know that aggressiveness and pain, and then you know, and then just just finishing up at the end again. They both 
just as, as a lot of Noah matches seem to to do so well, is two lads looking like they've just been to war at the end, and then they're just having that like final exchange, and then just then getting that like decisive finish. You know, it's like a like the the match ends kind of thing, and it's almost like you, it ends quicker than you'd expect it to end in in some other promotions or something like that because of the way you've been conditioned to multiple kickouts and things. But I quite like the way that in in a lot of these big matches in Noah, it just seems to be somebody hits something one two three and then it's done and it's and it's like you know it's it, that that's it is it, it is beaten and yeah I think him just hitting those two say suplexes and then just getting the one two three was just a Perfect, perfect end to this. I, I, I loved it. I said like four point two five. They, these two lads deliver every time for me. Like I really, really enjoy them. They're up there with my my favourites uh, favourites out there at the moment. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I went four, so I kind of split the difference between you. But I mean, I, I again really enjoy this, and I think the great thing about you mentioned about not knowing the finish being somewhat surprising is clearly the commentators don't know that as well. So their reaction kind of like like kind of adds to it and this did what cage matches are meant to do aren't they where the idea is is that the cage is kind of to keep them in there because they want to be violent against each other and it had that and you know kind of echo a load of the thoughts in there as as well I worry about Kitamiya long term doing this kind of stuff I mean I suspect this is his way of trying to you know grab this chance with kind of both hands and clearly they should go with him and but he's not in his 50s, so he's always got that against him, really, hasn't he? Anything else, you know, he's 32, which, you know, he might as well be six. Like, for all it matters for him to be promoted, it's just, like, far too young. Um, and it, it's really funny because, like, if I didn't hate this storyline of the fact they only just put them together, they had them win the tag belts, and then they've had them turn on them because this is just what Noah do just like mental booking decisions. Like I would have loved this because it'd be like, oh yeah, Kit Amir gets built up next, but it's not like I'm really got much faith in them kind of doing this, even though they clearly kind of like him. And the fact that Nakajima's had to shave his head. And I will say it was another one of those really nasty haircuts, Ben, and they went through <laughs> clippers where wrestlers have no idea like. about how to like use clippers on hair. Like they've never right had to shave heads at any point. Yeah, Keno did. He, he, sorted about, he sorted him out properly at the end. He never nice gingerly well. getting his hair cut. None of that. I want real. I want a real. I want the real stuff. Yeah, like it was one of these. And Nakajima just sort of sat there, like with his face like that as well. As well. Um, nice the whole way through. Um, and um, and you had Keno sat there stoically, and I thought it looked yeah, like in that setting, in that kind of empty arena setting this kind of match worked particularly because you it felt like it was a personal grudge match between two members of a faction so the only people there are people who are members of that faction and a referee and that's kind of makes sense for it even though that's that's not what it um not really what they went for what i will say about the drone very quickly i like the idea of it like I think you need a crowd there to distract from it because yeah, I needed to not, mute that. <laughs> well, I've been watching all of the Black Mirrors with my uh, with my sons, and it reminded <laughs> me of that episode Sharp and Dance, the really kind of bleak one. At the end, I was like, oh yeah, I got that in my head, and I went, okay, I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. It's a it's a dark episode. It's one of the better ones, but yeah, but yeah, four stars. I think this is this is good stuff, and. 
we probably don't have to worry about watching that second day, do we? No, I don't think so. Not based on those grapple reins, I think, Gareth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, anything else you guys have watched uh, before we get out of it? I think that's it. That's a lot. That wraps us up. Tell you what, lads, you're going to have stuff to watch. I'm just having a little look at the uh, the Patreon poll right now. In last place with 10% title matches. In second place with 8%. Or no, joint, probably joint last 10% also, Giants. Um Dead Lads, 16%. Big Sexy's Greatest Hits, 20% of the vote. And the outright looks like the winner right now. Triple H Reign of Terror, 44% oh. of the vote right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's looking like that's what we're doing. Uh, well, thank you, patrons. We love you greatly. Unless the audio listeners get up tomorrow morning and get the votes in before, I don't know, about 12 o'clock when I call it. Um, not that we were <laughs> not that we You've, you've heard a slight Triple nah, H. We'll do it. Well, you've heard us tonight, Slate Triple H, the businessman. Now watch a Slate Triple H, the wrestler. I I, I think if for no other reason I can watch this, happy in the knowledge that I just get to slag him off for what we'll we'll say will be an hour and we'll end up being two and a half because it just plays into our fanboy fantasies to go right tee off on this motherfucker once again <laughs> and Matty will be sat there defending him uh, while watching yeah. the Booker T build again going like I can't believe this I can't believe they did this oh, blame Matty by the way these were his ideas yeah. uh, apart from Dad Lads which was a JP last minute suggestion which uh, unfortunately JP is lost once again one day it's like, it's like <laughs> gayer girls it's never going to probably turn <laughs> what was that Kevin Ash film you really wanted to watch the one in, in the house that one it's well, like on that. the manor yeah, the matter. Yeah. yeah. Not Clippers. Yeah. Clippers is you never fucking know. awful. <laughs> uh well, well yeah, that's uh that's look forward to uh, over on the uh, the Patreon side as well as some uh, extra bonus shows that are, are gonna be coming soon as well that people can uh, can look for. Likely no weekend preview show this weekend, but there will be news updates uh, throughout the week and like I say, some other stuff that may well uh, pop in your feed this week and next. But yeah, other than that, uh, anything else to plug? Anyone been up to anything? Download grapple. Anything new? You've said it. I say, I think you've said it then. Yeah, exactly. Download Gravel. Follow us all in the the usual places. And yeah, we'll be back for another regular spotlight show next Monday night. Probably with more football interrupting us, but hey ho. Anyone want to throw a go on England in for tomorrow? No. Nah. (laughs) Come on, Germany. (laughs) Right. On that note, thanks everyone. We'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye.